welcome everyone to another depressing episode of the Big Nerd Book Club podcast. What are we doing? The podcast. We're doing the Big Nerd podcast today. This is the 215th quarantine cast. Big Nerd podcast. I know that sounds like we've run 215 quarantine cast. But that's not true, even though it feels that way. I am Brandon T. McClure, and with me, as always, is Ben Magnus. In a very good mood for once. Oh, you wrote it down. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Art? You know what? You all, all three of you know why. Wait, does that count? Does that count? Do we count the writing down? Because if so, because if so, we won. We all win. All of us win. Well, I mean, yeah. Sparks witty. Uh, yeah. Hi. And Ryan Eliopoulos. Hello. I'm here to be positive. Uh, okay. Hi, hi guys. What's that's, up? That's, hey. that's the intro. Uh, ben, you go first because I know you're dying. <sighs> Wait, I'm sorry. Before you go, I didn't mean to do that. Before you go, real quickly, for anybody who's watching this, nobody's watching the live stream, but if you're watching the replay and if you're watching the, 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 the if you're listening to the audio, there are links in the description below that you should check out. We have two Basement Arcade episodes out right now, Dead by Daylight and Left for Dead. Yeah, uh, and, uh, and their mm-hmm. Animal Crossing thing is up. Animal and the Animal Crossing. Because I just checked, it's not up. Oh, it's not? It's not up. Oh, Jesus. So that'll be up soon. The Animal Crossing thing will be up soon. Yeah. Um, and Ryan's episode of Downright Annoyed with uh, for Event Horizon is in the description below. Yes. Also pick that out. Oh, okay. Yeah, let me through. Uh, all right. Now. <laughs> I just thought the podcast, right? Ben, are you going to upload the Animal Crossing thing you and I did, Ryan? I guess so. Okay. Ben, go for it. Ben? Well, you guys probably know all of Los Angeles was in an uproar on Tuesday night when the Los Angeles Dodgers finally after a 32-year drought, won the World Series against the Tampa Bay Rays in six games. I, of course, am, was super excited. I posted all over my social media. That was like the one that I actually did cry out of sheer joy for because it's my favorite baseball team. I know you I know you guys don't really care about sports, which is totally... We're happy. We are happy when you are happy. Yeah. Hey, I, I don't really care about sports anymore, but as I was watching the games, because I work in a restaurant that has yeah. TVs on, uh, this was a very exciting World Series. A lot of really good games. It, it was. It was. We And Dodgers finally won. It was a really good Tampa Bay team. I, They're probably going to be back in the postseason next year. And I'm glad we – I'm A, glad we got a season this year because of COVID. I'm glad the Dodgers finally <laughs> broke the curse. And we won. We're World Series champions, and my World Series gear is coming through the mail very slowly. But, okay, that's why I'm not wearing any Dodgers gear today because you guys are probably sick and tired of me – Wearing Dodger stuff. It's okay. It's in the background. It's always with yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, that's always there. That's true. That be there. Although, when, although once I move to my new place, that's probably going to be somewhere different. Oh no! Spoilers. A little yeah. sizzle for his future. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm in the middle of a move right now, so eventually soon, I'm guessing like next week, this entire bookshelf behind me is going to be completely empty. Good. That's going <laughs> to be fun. Uh, so besides that, media wise, um, I'm this close to beating Metroid Zero Mission. I would That's be, the, uh, the Game Boy one. Yeah, it's the uh, GBA one. It's the remake of the first Metroid game. I, I'm loving it. Uh, once I beat that, I have Metroid: Samus Returns, which is the the 3DS remake. So uh, that's ready in the wings, and then I got Super Metroid on my SNES Classic. So I'm I'm having I'm having some fun. I'm really enjoying Metroid uh, Zero Mission. Um, you gotta play other M. Yeah, you gotta experience it. I've heard about other. Actually, I don't have a Wii anymore. That's 
No, I think I got rid of it because all the Wii games that I did play, I were, were either getting HD remakes for the Wii U and they were rumored to come out on the Switch. So I figured all the games I would want to play on my Wii are coming out on the Switch. Like Smash Bros. and Mario Kart have better versions of them on the Switch. Yeah. So it's like, why do I need a Wii anymore for? Epic you- Mickey, I played, I played that once. And I never played it again. Do you have a Wii U? I don't, no. Nobody okay. has a Wii U. I do. Oh, you're the one guy. I love I'm it. One guy. No, I, I, actually, have, I probably have three, access to three Wiis if you want one. Damn, dog. What? I have a Wii. Maybe. maybe. Oh, yeah, Brandon has a Wii. I remember. I still have Wii. one. My mom has one. My mom and Megan, has a Wii. And Megan had one when we yeah. got together, and I'm pretty sure they're all somewhere in Monterey. Oh, there's so much Wii in this house. I love it. <laughs> And, and of course, as we mentioned up the top, Ryan and I, we did a Halloween special on Animal Crossing New Horizons. We streamed that. It's up in six minutes from this moment, supposedly. Woo! Awesome. I love a new computer of yours. Apparently, I don't know. It's a That is a YouTube problem. It's I not a computer no, problem. Like, like the uploading speed has just gone to shit, or it's an internet issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, holy shit. Yeah. Because that thing exports like in a, less than a minute. But the upload. I started that so early this morning. Are you listening, mm-hmm. John? YouTube, this is your fault. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead, back. Jonathan. Yeah. Um, also, I caught up on uh, some comic books. Finally, I had a pretty decent sized stack. A lot of it was Ten of Swords, so I cut through that. Nice. And so far, was that on purpose? Was that on purpose? You cut, you cut through Ten of Swords? Oh no, that wasn't through. That wasn't on purpose. Oh, Ten of, Ten of Swords ends this month. We're doing an episode on that. Yes, we are. I need to finish. Um, I guess I should read it. No, no, I am reading it. I got through a whole chunk. He of said, it. "He said, I guess he should read it." Uh, Me, Ben. Okay. Me. Yeah. All right. Um, so far, my favorite issue is the Marauders one, the one involving Storm. Mm. Oh, that, that mm. Vita. Just give Vita all the books, please. Just give on. Vita all the books. That I really. Um, that was spoilers. It's just a good. That's a good comic. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's why I'm trying to be as vague as possible. But while because I love the Wolverine one, but. Just in one issue, just focusing on Storm, I was like, this hit for some reason. The Storm one hit differently than the Wolverine one. I like the Wolverine one. Don't get me wrong. It's Wolverine, yeah, but with Wolverine, it it gives that little carrot of like, what was the thing he had to do to get the thing, and then what was Storm? It's like, whoa. Yeah. I'm actually because at first I'm like, ooh, what what did Wolverine had to do to that's his, future. maybe that's what's next that's yeah that's probably down the future but then of course with storm with the marauders issue no spoilers for sparks please no 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 spoilers but with storm it's i'm actually more curious to see how that plays out more than wolverines yeah it's, it's a good setup very good setup oh, yeah. very good setup very good setup i mean so i got i got through some of my tennis swords books this week i haven't got through i went to the book the shop this week picked up the new ones haven't read those yet because i'm those are on the bottom because I, I have a bigger stack i need to get through uh yeah that's pretty much my week and uh how oh oh no no that's not my week holy crap so yesterday of course it's halloween happy belated halloween my bros a few which was like 20 some hours ago um i watched the new witches on uh hbo max with fanny oh uh there's okay while we're watching it angelica houston is a better Grand High Witch than Anne Hathaway, but I really like the new kid for compared to the old kid. It's well, weird. I get that. Yeah, it's it's weird because there are things where it's like there are things that I love with Anne Hathaway doing compared to Angelica Houston, but like I mentioned before, 
is the prosthetic makeup on Angelica Houston was just so much better. Mm-hmm. It was just so gorgeous and like scary. Whereas in the new one with um, Anne Hathaway, it's creepy, but it's not, I'm not frightened of her. Like, yeah, I, I know that's, it's like, okay, where's the grotesqueness? I mean, yes, she has a wider mouth with the, like the one shot that, and that's, it's very early in the movie, so it's not really a spoiler. The one really good shot of Anne Hathaway is when you see her smile with the, her extended smile with the teeth in the smoke of a train. That I thought was really cool, but then there's like a mirror. She's looking to a mirror later on in the movie where it, it's it's kind of like telling that there's more. Um, she's a more grotesque creature, but you we never see it. Yeah. Whereas in the original one, oh, go balls to the walls, make this ugly, make it make make Angelica fugly as hell, do it. And it, I don't get that. It's weird because there are parts of the new one that I really really like. And there are parts of the one that I don't like, and it's the same with the. It's like it's a weird give and take. So, if you had to ask me which one's better, I'm like, eh, it's like one day I'll pick the new one, and then one day I'll pick the old one, and it just goes back and forth. Cool. I mean, it's still okay. solid. I still enjoyed it. Octavia Spencer is a huge. It's freaking. It's freaking phenomenal in the movie. I love her. I I have, I, I have not seen either. Oh, the the originals. Uh, I haven't seen it in a while, but it, uh, I remember mm-hmm. it being very. Uh, I love Anne Hathaway, and I want I want to support Anne Hathaway as much as possible. So I'll watch this eventually. Yeah, I like her. I like when she's bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And also, one like thing, a bad, new- like a cat woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one thing I'll definitely give to the new one. The new one, I feel, is a little better paced, but it does speed through things very quickly. Whereas the old one, I feel, drags along. Because I remember there's this, um, there's like a scene that was going on in the ballroom. I felt like the ballroom scene with all the witches felt a lot longer in the old one than it does in the new one. Hey, Ben. Yeah? I don't mean to stop you. Um, how does Sparks and Ryan's camera look to you? A little a little fuzzy. Why? Yeah, you guys are glitching. Uh-oh. Not to us. Are we okay? Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're fine. Okay. Do you want to plug in your camera? Plug it and plug it back sure. in? Put it Keep off talking. and turn it back Keep on again. Talking. Keep talking. All right. Yeah. Um, pretty much the big, I mean, besides his house, cause that's another, that's, we watched that last night as well. We watched the super spooky movie. Then we watched the not so spooky movie. Yeah. And that, that was it. Most of the week I was like Tuesday. I was happy that the Dodgers won and I did some reading. I did some video game playing and yesterday was Halloween. Had a, had a decent Halloween, just stayed indoors all day and also been packing some stuff up for the move. So that's my week. Sparks or Ryan, one of you guys want to go next? I'm. I can. I'm kind of covering some stuff from two weeks because I wasn't here for this part. I don't care. Go next. We never do this in order. I love it. That's what makes us unique and special. No, I meant because it'll be long. Baby, you know we love it. Uh, So let's see. Um, You're wrong. Exactly. There was a lot of Fortnite uh, for me. A little bit with you, but mostly for me Mm -hmm. because there's Halloween stuff I wanted to do. Uh, Fortnite does some cool Halloween stuff. I wish they started it earlier in the month, but they only do it in like the last week or two. Mm. Um, so that was a bummer. Uh, I watched the original. Hey, Meg. Uh, hey, Meg. Oh, hey, Meg. The original. Um, you'll recall I recently watched Godzilla King of the Monsters, the American remake of the original. Well, I watched the original to uh, write about it. I also watched Jordan Peele's Us uh, for a class. That, movie, that was the first time I've seen it since theaters, but I really, really 
really like that movie. That original uh, Godzilla movie, Gojira, holds up Gojira. very well. It does. Uh, it's way, way, way better than the American one. 100%. Like, by miles. Um, yeah. Like, F the American remake. Uh, <laughs> Us, uh, obviously, I think there's, just, there's a lot to get out of that movie every time you watch it. Um, so that was just nice to do. I still watched a bunch of Simpsons Treehouse of Horror while they had the collection up on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watched some more Haunting of Bly Manor. Oh, yeah, we did. Yep. Um, when I was with my family visiting during the hall uh, last week, um, we watched, we showed Megan um, and my mom Friday the 13th, part one through three. Hmm. Never seen them. Season of the week. Um, man, those movies are... There's a part in three that makes me really mad at Friday the 13th part three. Um, and it's this part where they're scared. The cops are going to pull them over at the beginning. All the teens that are driving around in a van and they eat all their weed. All of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. To hide it. Like, all... about, like that scene in Super Troopers. <laughs> so they eat all of their weed mm-hmm. and then they're 100% sober for the rest of the film. <laughs> Just 100. And I'm like, you ate so much weed <laughs> like <laughs> one of the guys is like raw like just spewing weed out of his mouth when he yells at someone else to <laughs> shove weed into them and i'm like you have to be so high when jason attacks in three hours i don't how are you standing just being like i'm a normal person the laws of movies are different, I guess. bullshit pisses me i'm like how does anybody who understands the drugs yeah be okay with this it's this is so don't. stupid <laughs> You're going to be hearing a cat in the background. Just we're going to let you talk. We're going to hear it now. Yeah. Gonna, we can't stop it. I'm sorry. Um, um, it's no it's no Jason X, I'll say. No. Uh, no. That's the one in space, right? Hell yeah, baby. Yeah, that is the one in space. I, I have other thoughts, but I don't feel like delving into them on Friday the 13th. That was the one thing that both Megan and I are like, they should be so baked right now. They shouldn't even be able to walk. Yeah. Most of them should just be floundering or crawling. <laughs> what is happening? And then they get there and there's one dude who's already at that house who should just be like, what happened to all of you? Just started melting. Um, anyway, uh, we also played some board games while we were there. We played this game called Mysterium, and I don't remember if I've talked about it much on the podcast before, but it's from France, and basically what it is is that one person is a ghost and the rest of the people are psychics and they're trying to interpret who, where, and how uh, the ghost was murdered. And they can only do that through interpreting art cards that the ghost gives out. So they have to look at just this piece of art and try and understand what the ghost is saying. It's super interesting because of that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Just a fun thing. Like I'd love for us all to do it someday, but like, I just wanted to spotlight that another board game I'll spotlight that I play for the first time is you guys have probably heard of Betrayal at the House on the Hill. Oh yeah. Uh, it's a great board game where like you kind of find out what's happening as you play it. Well, there's a Scooby-Doo version and the Scooby-Doo version is also a ton of fun. The, kid, the mom loves it. Yeah, she totally does. Um, hey guys, uh, Dragon Ball Super had its new manga chapter come out in that time period and I read it and uh, I want to touch on some stuff. So uh, they're definitely wrapping up the Moro arc, and they definitely did do like a heel turn, like fooled you. This is going a totally different way than you thought about the Goku looking like he was kind of going to be like, here, Moro, if you promise you're going to be like a cool person, go into prison all Being by yourself. Goku and, guy. Yeah. Uh, Moro really turns the, the tables in a way that I it didn't feel like retread as much as I think people were fearing of uh, when Goku offered that to, same kind of thing to Frieza or Cell. Good. Right. Uh, it's good. Uh, and I'm hoping 
I'm still hoping that this this kind of moment is going to lead to a Vegeta getting to come out on top moment, but we'll see. Um, while I was there, I also watched with my family uh, Dracula Den Loving It. I haven't seen that in forever. Yeah, it's still good. It's not one of Mel Brooks' best. Yeah, but it's still good. Like the the salt, the stuff that was solid remains solid. Yeah, and some of it goes. It, it's not even that as bad. It's just like it doesn't make you like Laugh. guffaw. Yeah, you know, you're just kind of like mm-hmm. the, uh, yeah. the the bit in the cemetery with the blood gushing up is still my favorite thing. Just because, just Mel Brooks, like she's not quite dead. So she's dead enough. Yeah, that's that's a really good bit. Blood. I think the bit that that got me the most on this watch around because I just absolutely forgot it is when the wives are coming uh, into the room and then they that Dracula makes them leave and they're floating back out the same way they floated in <laughs> and then uh, Drac and they've got the eerie music with them and everything and Dracula's like stop that and so they have to like suddenly slouch <laughs> and walk their way out without the hearing music yeah. that bit's great. Yeah. Um, I also bought uh, a Blu-ray of Riff Tracks live uh, performing their critique of House on Haunted Hill. Fun fact, uh, this is the Vincent Price House on Haunted Hill, and the Riff Tracks Blu-ray is currently the only way to have that movie in color on Blu-ray. Oh, it comes with the movie too? Yeah, they're, they're riffing the whole... This is their live, like, it was the fandom event. Yeah. And oh, they okay. released it on Blu-ray because oh, okay. it's them. You see them like you'd see us with the movie a lot of the times. And they're riffing it. And it's from, like, a live recording of them doing it. So there's an audience and everything. It's very... it's very. It was very fun. I saw this one in theater, so I knew I wanted to get it. I'm going to borrow that. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I love MSC. But the, DVD, the, the Blu-ray does not come with a separate version of just that movie. No, without... it's just... But but that's the funny thing is, like, you want to watch it on color, you watch it with, with the riff tracks. Weird. Uh, honestly, honestly, it's better that way. That movie looks better in black and white. 100%. Like, I do not think the color version does it any favors. Um, that's the... Uh, wait, hold on. That's the... Isn't that also an adaptation of what became Haunting a Hill House? Yes. Yeah. The, the book? Yeah, the story? Yes. Yeah. And the, uh, the, the haunting. Yes, the haunting is also an adaptation of that. There's a lot of movies that are basically that. Liam Neeson. So the haunted. So Hill House, the story Hill House, is basically adapted as many times as Amityville is. It's just not always called what it what it is enough to for you to go, oh, it's that like Amityville. Mm -hmm. um, but it's but it's basically that many times adapted. Uh, okay. I watched the Adams Family film. Um, no. The the original? Uh, the original. I Good. went back and revisited it. It's been a long time. I love that movie's it. dope. I love it. And I, movie. as I was watching it and I was seeing the characterizations, I'm like, I never, ever, ever want to watch that animated one. That Talk about Angelica out. Houston Holy again. Crap. Killing it in the Angelica 90s. Houston is so wonderful. But uh. here's the thing: like, it 100% cemented for me again that like the interpretation of Gomez in the new anime one. I know I haven't watched it, but I've seen the trailers and I'm like, this is just this isn't Gomez. Yeah. Gomez is elegant and stylish. He's not a buffoon. Yeah. Uh, like he's silly, but he's he's got charm, and he's always on top of it, even if he looks like he isn't. Yeah, uh, yeah. that that drove me up a wall. Uh, the the subtext of it was either the movie or like the cartoon or something, but like the subtext was these two people are constantly having sex when they're not on camera. Right. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> what they want, they want to be banging each other yeah. at all times. And that I like, must be the energy of the room is that Gomez and Morticia always want yeah, to do each other. They're the best so couple. When he's rescuing her, when she's strapped on the wheel, he's like, you and this torture wheel. She's like, later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, um, you're and it's a kid's movie. Yeah. That's great. Mags, Mag says, I love the train bit and passenger from Dracula Dead and Loving It. 
Yes, yeah. that's so good. There is a uh, there is a a train bit in Young Frankenstein that I totally forgot, and I was watching Young Frankenstein with Zara a couple a bit ago, and that's one of my favorite comedies of all time. Zara was not into it, and uh, which is always heartbreaking. But the train bit that I really like is when it's just Victor's on the train, he's reading his paper, and the old couple behind him is like, well, "What time do we get to New York?" Oh, about forty five minutes, and then the train and the train conductor passes by. Then that scene gets cut to another sequence, exactly the same, but it's a train going to Transylvania. And it's the same old couple now speaking German. Mm -hmm. And and then the train conductor passes by. It's the same guy speaking German. And for whatever reason, that always cracks me up. That's a good movie. Uh, Mag, I just looked it up. Uh, You recommended Matango. And I'll certainly set aside some time someday to, to watch this i'll make it on my list it's about a group of castaways uh it's a japanese uh horror film from 1963 about a group of castaways on an island who are unwittingly altered by a local species of mutagenic mushrooms sounds okay. trippy uh thank you for that i'm sorry so uh, mushrooms my brain goes super mario bros yes the video game not the movie one yes. one track mind uh nostalgist bitch over there um <laughs> I love you, Ben. Um, I love you too, because I was going to actually comment on your uh, love of, or your realization of As Family, because uh, I forgot what stream service has the As Family, the CGI movie. Hulu. Hulu, Hulu yeah. I don't want to watch either, because a few weeks ago, I watched the As Family, the original one for the first time in my entire life. I freaking love it. I see the, the the designs for the new one. No, I'm good. Don't need it. So- don't want it. Yeah, that, that anime film just featuring in the trailer so heavily this idea that, like, oh, they've moved into a new suburban area. And I'm like, like they don't that's care the about, of like, what it impressing is. or bonding or assimilating with anybody. But that's not what it's about. So I saw it, obviously, because yeah. I've got a girlfriend yeah. who loves these movies. And it is actually a prequel. It starts with them meeting each other, getting married, and then moving to the asylum, which is their house. Which then, which then, overnight they build a suburban area. Uh huh. And now they are overlooking a suburban area. So it's the start of Up. Yeah. But it's bad. Oh. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't waste time. It's just not the vibe, and I'm like, if I want to watch Adam's Family stuff, I'll go to those movies, or I'll go to the old cartoon. Thing Again, here. like uh, we got that Tim Burton announcement, and like. Yeah, he's not like immediately my first pick, but like that dude's aesthetic fits for that for that time. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree. Yeah. Uh, and I also really love everybody saying Christina Ricci should come back and play Mortician now. I think she's, that's she's awesome. Like dressed up and stuff. Yeah. I think that would be great. Um, but those same people are also saying Johnny Depp should be Gomez, and I'm like, please no. Oh <laughs> that, yeah, that is a disgusting age Who difference. I don't want to see. Um, it should anyway. be Oscar Isaac. Yes, it really. Should I be. agree. Oscar Isaac would make a great live action. Uh, he's already the voice of Go. Oh. I mean, because so, Brandon, you saw the. Yes, anime he is movie. the voice of Gomez. I, I know, a, but how? Why it's a shame. It's it's such a shame that is a that is a voice performance and not just live action because he's perfect. Okay, that That's you answered awesome. you answered the question I was going to ask. Thank you. Uh, I watched the Adam Sandler Hubie Halloween on Netflix. Yeah, yeah I did. I, you know, I wanted to. Um, I watched it with my mom. Um, it's good. It's fine. Uh, like, if you like, look, look. If you watch an Adam Sandler comedy, you've seen a lot of these kind of shtick things before, yeah. and like, some of it is pretty, pretty good and like entertaining, and some of it is, you know, yeah, all right. But I'm watching what I know I'm watching. And yeah. here, here it is. In 2020, like, if there's a new Adam Sandler movie, like, I, I pretty much know what I'm getting. 
So like, it's yeah. hard for me to fault it. I will say I did like ultimately it's cheesy as hell. It's honestly not made for, here's the weird thing. It's an Adam Sandler, like family film, like not targeting us. It's targeting the kids that like, when we were happy Gilmore, that's who it was targeting. It's targeting those kids today, not us. So like teens. Uh, teens yeah. Know. Not the people who grew up with Adam Sandler like this. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's that, that in itself is a very big differentiation. Um, it's it's cheesy as hell, but the ending of the movie actually really works for me. I think it's a solid like turnaround message that I didn't think the movie was going to have. I thought it was just going to be dumb for dumb sake, but I'm like, this is this actually kind of worked for me. Um, there's good gags, there's bad gags. Um, what I will give the movie a lot of credit for is I felt like it really captured a strong uh, vibe of just like a good Halloween season, like the Halloween season you remember from a kid. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Like what Halloween felt like. And I'm like, you know, I haven't watched a movie that a new movie that did that in a while. So props to Hubie Halloween for that alone. Uh, um, I was thinking, so this wasn't the uh, the really terrible movie that he promised to make after Uncut Gems. No, I no that's still coming. I personally wouldn't call it that. Personally, uh, I, I think I've seen some of Adam Sandler's other fare in the past few years that looked worse than this. Yeah. Um, he did the movie, he did the, this was him, right? Not Ben Stiller. Yeah, he did the movie with, uh, although Ben Stiller's in Hubie Halloween in the very beginning for a moment. He plays Hal L. Um, <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, uh, Adam Taylor did some movie just a little while ago with Jennifer Aniston for Netflix. And that movie was just oh, unfunny. Like a beach movie or something? It's, it's, like a, it's like a murder cruise. Oh, it's called yeah. Murder Mystery. It's Murder Mystery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that that was a snooze fest. Like there just wasn't anything to grab onto at all. And this at least gets by on like fun Halloween shit. Ray Liotta's in this one hey. in Hubie Halloween, playing like the guy who just like takes the piss out of Hubie everywhere he goes in the town. That guy will be doing. Uh, and he his absolute committed commitment to abusing Hubie becomes entertaining in itself. So I mean, like I I wouldn't put this at the bottom rung of Adam Sandler films. It's fine. It like it's nothing special. But like you come to the next Halloween season, I don't recommend watching it outside of the Halloween season because it's so steeped in it, which is good. Come to the next Halloween season, you feel like just putting on something, just kind of like easily watch and have a little bit of a laugh. Hubie Halloween's right up your alley. Love it. Uh, Brandon, you watched God of High School with me. Would you like to talk about God of High School for a little bit? No, I'm good. Oh, come on, Brandon. This is the week you got mad. <laughs> it is. I've been, I don't, I don't, my palate is not incredible when it comes to anime. I watched a lot when I was a kid and I haven't watched many in 20 years. So Jesus, that's legitimately true now. I'm 30 anyway. Um, so <laughs> I can't just say 20 years and it'd just be before I was born. Um, <laughs> so I was, <laughs> so I was watching it this time and, and the past couple of weeks, you know, my, my the people we're watching it with, they haven't liked it, but I've kind of like animation is good. It's pretty to look at. It's a cool fight. Animation is good. It's always been good. Yeah. So I'm like, whatever. This latest episode, though, we are now three episodes away from the series being done. We watched two, and both of them got you. And I was so mad by the end of the first episode we watched because at that <laughs> point I was like, you know what? I kept trusting them that they would tell us what this damn show is about. And but we are now three episodes away from the end and we have no damn clue. It's just like a, I don't want too many, like, cause like maybe I'll watch it eventually, but like, it's just like a mystery show that's building no. and there's like no, no. conclusion. So or? here's the thing. Uh, what it is, is that, um, what's the it, problem? So in the web comic, it starts as a martial arts story. Mm-hmm. And then 
much, much later along in the story. It decides to start evolving that it's about how these martial artists can connect to gods and take their power into them and enhance their abilities. Iron Fist. Right. And it's very much based off Journey to the West. Oh, There's okay. a lot of that in there. Literally, the main character is the Monkey King. Got it. And he's slowly learning that. But the thing is that the show wants both wants to get both things in. So you have episodes, multiple now at this point, where you're watching two guys have a normal martial arts fight while it is cutting back between literally a gigantic void god shoving a sword down into the city and being blocked by Doctor Strange-level magicians, and the stakes are supposed to be the same mm. as it's cutting between the that two. That sounds cool. And the thing is, like, visually, great. Yeah. Uh, but the problem I wish is every I, anime looked like this. I don't understand what's actually at stake, and the fact that the gigantic things are happening at the same time makes the martial arts fight seem oh, minuscule when you're it. trying to jump between the two. And it's like, what? Why does this matter to this? And then the other thing is that they'll do big bombastic things, and sometimes characters will like just brush it off, and then other times they'll lose a limb. And it's there's no concept of like what actually is important? is is important power level wise, and what's just flashy visual. That stinks. And that's because that's like that's a lot of the that's issue. like that's that's my whole thing with special effects. Like if I'm not if I don't care what's going on, like you can have the coolest thing on the planet. I'm like, well, that's whatever. Like, and that's more or less there. That's more or less what's happening. That's is that every bummer. time it's cutting to these big bombastic visuals while we're watching the martial arts fight, where we do understand what's happening and what the stakes are because we followed those characters emotionally. The big bombastic shit is happening with side characters we haven't spent any time with who are supposed to be like the upper level of like people who are like supervising the tournament and stuff, but we don't know them do and we, we don't know, know what they're fighting for. Do we know like the translation from the, from the web comic to hear like, if there was like, like problems or just like they wanted to do something I'm not different. familiar. I'm not really aware. Okay. All it seems like to me is that they wanted to get to the tone of the God stuff quickly and get to those flashy visuals in the anime fast. And I'm like, cool, but I have no idea like why oh, yeah. any of this matters. They didn't want to do the legwork to get to the cool stuff. I, I'm invest. I I understand the main trio, but way too often do we go to this whole big bombastic bombastic fight with these god level things with characters that I don't know who their names. I don't know what they who they are. I don't care. The thing, your main characters are never there until this last episode where they're there at the very end, and it's like I don't. It's like two different things are happening. Two but, different the, but the show writers clearly think that the, the story of God of High School is the side stuff that we've been following. So, but there should be a a trajectory where our main characters intersect with what the main plot is. But they never do, and now we are an episode away, and they just did. Right. Sounds like it's like, like we 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 had the we had. Sorry, Ryan. What'd you say? There's like sounds like Game of Thrones. Like, oh, we have one episode left. Um, we got a lot to answer for. The, we talked about it, we kind of made the comparison of like, it's as if Kid Goku just met Bulma, found the Dragon Balls, and then Beerus showed up and said, hey, let's fight in the multiversal tournament. Oh, that's a lot. That's a jump. Yeah. That's a whole deep. That's, that's a jump. <laughs> yeah, like, it's it's Goku, like, entering the first martial arts tournament where he has to fight Master Roshi disguised as Jackie Chung, and Beerus is also attacking the Earth somewhere else with, like, Kami and Piccolo there. And yeah. then, like, he hasn't gotten involved yet. That's what's happening. Oh, Super Saiyan. What's Super Saiyan? Oh, no. The God of High School Super version where they fix all this. We'll see. We'll see if the show gets another season. So um, we're one episode away. We're finishing it next week. Is there, uh, more, sorry, is there more of the webcomic? Yes. Oh, yeah. Much more. Okay. Um, I To be fair to the webcomic, only one person among our anime watching group has read it. And he has also said that, like, ultimately, it's just not very well handled. Uh. 
in the long run. Okay. But at least it makes more tonal sense in its evolution. Um, Ryan, you and I watched Event Horizon for your Downright Annoyed special. We sure did. Yeah. I like that movie a whole lot, uh, despite, I think, having a pretty generic script. I think uh, the, the, the cast and the set designs and even some of the shots are really, really impressive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think probably this and Mortal Kombat really might be Paul W. Sanderson's best movies, and those were the movies he made 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. That's really kind of a bummer for that guy. Monster Hunter coming out December. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I really like where you and I got to um, because you were talking about how like how much of Event Horizon was changed and taken away yeah. uh, from him. And I'm like, maybe he just decided like he wasn't going to put in effort anymore if they were just going to cut it. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't blame him if that's the case. Like yeah. if he's just like, I get by with cheesy blockbuster because they're not going to approve the cool stuff, yeah. like the really in-depth stuff, whatever. Uh, so uh, real quick, because I know you've seen it, Brandon. I know you like it. Um, there, There is is like minutes like 30 minutes of extra footage of so much more of the gore stuff so much more of like what sam neill's character was doing um sam neill's character uh, talking to the original crew of the event horizon so there's so much more setup um but uh he wanted to make like an alien rated r epic and mm -hmm. they, it was like you're out of your mind you made mortal Kombat." so so the version we got i think is really good for what we got um but i'm just mm -hmm. like i'm I, like i watched interviews with him and he's like yeah there's a movie that just didn't get made and I'm like, I can't even imagine what that movie would be. Because the stuff we got, the spooky stuff's really, really good. I can't imagine 30 more minutes of that gross shit. Yeah. Really? Okay, let's do it, guys. Hashtag release the Anderson cut. Oh it doesn't God. exist. It doesn't exist. They deleted all of no, it. No, it's gone. It's gone. Let me do the Snyder Cut, but we will that into reality. Yeah, we can uh, get a GoFundMe. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, it was nice to revisit that. So I appreciate you bringing that to, to yeah. Megan and I. And that was really fun. Um, Megan and I watched uh, for New York Restoration Project. There was a, a fundraiser live stream that Bette Midler led, which was a Sanderson Sisters reunion special. Um, this was her and um, Sarah Jessica Parker. And I got to look up her name because I don't remember. Um, uh, Megan would if she was here. <laughs> um, and uh, this, the whole thing is hosted by was hosted by Elvira, which automatically like Ooh. sold me. And you've got like uh, all these like film during coronavirus bits of like people, but like on on for the most part, honestly, on good cameras and the best production and quality that they could, except for one, um, like not bad. And it's just like jumping around to like people talking about the legend of the Sanderson sisters. And you got Meryl Streep, you have Glenn Close playing Cruella Deville, oh. talking about how she's descended from the same line as Winnie. Um, uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, she go she went nuts. Um, you've got Todrick Hall uh playing a witch doing a song that's really good uh all of the actors from the original hocus pocus make an appearance doug jones has a whole like five minute bit where he was uh talking as billy he was in the makeup again and everything um oh you had all of the kids back you had uh the actor who played thackeray binks playing binks in heaven but he's just <laughs> in a giant black cat suit and he's talking about <laughs> um and there's a particularly good joke he did where, because you're never, you're probably never going to see this, maybe, uh, because they said that they were only doing it for that one moment, the live stream, and then it's it's not going to exist because they were trying to raise sales for the uh, fundraising for New York Restoration Project. Do you guys not and, look at the? Do you guys not look at the ticker down below? Really <laughs> the Anderson cut. I love it. Um, so hold on one second. I'm going to get her name, Kathy Nagini. Thank you, Kathy. Uh, is the other Sanderson sister. Um, so you had all these actors back uh, and they're all just like talking about where they're at. Um, it was fun to see them all grown up now and, and just, you know, 
doing little bits to tie into the Sinister Sisters, and then you get them. You get them all back in their uh, costumes. They have this great bit where they're interacting with Elvira, which was a lot of fun. Um, uh, John Stamos plays the master, so mm. Satan. Yeah. Um, and when he, and when he interacts with him, and then it ends with them doing uh, their number, uh, I Put a Spell on You again nice. um, from the film. It was it was honestly just an enjoyable little thing. And I'm like, this is, you know, like the quality is really low because they all on a lot of it because like, you know, it's, it's not bombastic. because They did this from really minuscule home projects. But on a whole, it's a lot of good, good Halloween fun. And it nice. definitely sold me on like the Sanderson sisters. All three of those actors could just play those roles Man. again. They they jumped right back into it. They're just like it's got themselves. Be, I mean, like th- there's been rumors for like since the first movie that like, yeah. there was like a Tina Fey one like five years ago. But like with Disney Plus now, so they are making a Hocus Pocus two. Oh, there and they are returning. Okay, but supposedly what's been heard about the script so far, although all three of the sisters have said they really like the script. Um, the script is focusing on new witches who are their descendants, and they're that's just kind of playing background roles. Force Awakens, baby, makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but that that is happening. Beth Midler just talked about this past week in talking about this appearance I as want well. It. I want they it. Wrote, uh, they, there's a book sequel. There yeah. is a book sequel. Um, I think the script is varying pretty far away from it, uh, if I recall correctly. But Bet uh, Bet Midler kills it. Sarah Jessica Parker's great. Kathy Nijit, uh, Jeannie is fantastic again. Like all of them. It was that was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I just wanted to spotlight that because that was that was a really good time. Hell yeah! Um, on Halloween, Megan and I rewatched the original Halloween and Halloween Two, so that Megan could finally see Halloween H Two O, because she had not seen that. Um, she slowly made her way. She has now seen everything that isn't the Rob Zombie remakes uh, mm-hmm. of Halloween, except for Resurrection, which she says she'll never watch because I told her what they did to. Lori in the first like 10 minutes and she said nope never never ever don't need to watch that and i'm like yeah i guess buster rhymes lose that loses out on that one she's not gonna see him dropkick michael myers no without uh without resurrection we might not have gotten the current halloween movie without resurrection we wouldn't have gotten rob zombies films there's um so there's actually some cool books out right now they're called taking shape and taking shape 2 which are about all the scripts that never got made of halloween night film ideas Ooh, and a lot of them are ooh. shitty but some of them are pretty cool taking shapes is the name for it <laughs> yeah um so if you ever wanted to like look into that there's a lot of halloween projects they discuss making and most of them sound terrible and i'm glad they never happened and a few of them sound like gems Lori, uh, uh, Lori has died in two of the Halloween universes so far. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Because she dies off screen uh, in four. Yeah. You could also say that that's still like faked. Just like you could run that H2O mentality, but what's the point? Well, um, the point that H2O is Halloween 20 years later, right? Yeah. H2O that... only follows the original Halloween and Halloween 2. So it's okay. Halloween, Halloween 2, and then 20 years later. There's like with, with Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, I know it's about no the timeline. It's no different than Godzilla. Yeah. Halloween's no different than Godzilla. You go back to the original and then you follow a new timeline. Yeah, just boop, boop, boop. It's like Moira's uh, Nine Lives. There um, you go. I did catch something in Halloween H2O I'd never caught before because I guess I wasn't paying attention. And it was uh, Janet Lee uh, is playing Norma. And uh, when she's walking back to her car, her car is the car from Psycho. Because I hadn't watched this in a really long time, and I wasn't thinking about it. And they actually play part of the the driving theme from Psycho as she walks back to the car, like worked into the Halloween theme. Um, that's a really great moment. It's a whole like passing baton from slasher victim to slasher victim moment. Yeah, and I didn't actually notice the. 
I didn't notice the connection, but I, I remember watching that movie recently, and I, I saw the I heard the psycho thing. I was like, "This is psycho. What's this? What's this doing in this?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that was her. And I, that's what I, the whole time I was watching it. This time I was like, "She looks so familiar." <laughs> and then that happened, and I'm like, "No way! Wait a minute!" And then I looked. I'm like, "Oh, how did I never?" Honestly, it makes sense because I haven't watched Halloween issue in like 15 years. I think I saw we're, it. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about the Vince Vaughn psycho, right? There's no other psychos. Haha. Ha. Uh, <laughs> One thing I will say real quick that I do want to touch on, and I'm sure we'll do like a Halloween discussion someday, but like H2O really irritates me. Uh, the thing about it is that I like a lot of things about it overall. Um, like for its time period, it's fine. Uh, the What slasher films were at that time, which was, it's so steeped in Scream because it's coming out of Dimension Films, which is the same group. There's references to Scream in the film. Uh, the score is by this same person. So it sounds like Scream. Uh, most of the time because they don't use the Halloween score throughout. Um, and uh, just the scares are set up in the same way. The original script was done by Kevin Williamson. It's not the final script, but the original one was him and he's the guy who wrote the screen. Oh, yeah, so it makes a ton of sense that, that it follows sense. that line of logic. Um, but the biggest thing is Michael Myers is treated like Ghostface. There's no actual connection to who Michael Myers is relative to the other characters, really. It's not given in the moments of the screen time, um, except for the very end of the movie. And that's what drives me up a wall about H2O. Because you could just put Ghostface in that and it wouldn't change a lot. Um, so that came out, did that come out in 2000? 1998. Damn, because I was going to say, years they later. can make H2O, H2O 20 years later again. <laughs> Damn, that okay. sucks. Uh, so much time. Dead... Uh, by daylight, we all played a, a decent chunk of that, uh, except mm -hmm. for Ben. Um, this past couple weeks, I played as a demigorgon. That's fun as hell. That was fun. Uh, Brandon and I, and I think a few others, have been playing some Fall Guys because there's a skin coming this week that we both want. I don't want to talk so about it. I'm in that. Yeah, that's Who is fair. it. What is it? Godzilla. Damn, really? Yeah, Godzilla skin's coming to Fall Guys this week. Hell yeah! You heard that, right, babe? You better get your crown in order. Either buy it or crown it. Um, it's ten. It's ten crowns. Oh, I know. Ten. That's a lot. Uh, uh, we can move up. Baby, you right now? Thank you. I also played uh, some Overwatch for the spooky season just a little bit, um, just to get in some stuff. There's some great Halloween stuff in Overwatch, but I just don't have a lot of time to dedicate to There are so to many it. games, man. Uh, Actually, speaking of Fall Guys, Sparks, didn't you finally win an episode? Because I saw that achievement on the PlayStation thing. Yes, I won last night for the first time. Wow. Yeah, yeah, so now there's uh, three of us. Uh, me, felt, Brandon, and you. Felt, look, it felt bittersweet to me because um, it was the one where the thing, the golden rod is going around, and it was, oh, just, me the last dude. It was just me and this last dude for a long time, and we both went over at the same moment, and on my screen, he hit the slime first. Or oh. sorry, on my screen, I hit the slime first, so I thought I lost. And then it said qualified. And I'm like, dang, I don't know. If I were that other dude, I'd be pissed. <laughs> so I felt I felt bad. Yeah, because that's uh, the one where the that's where I won my crown too. Yeah, I, that did finally happen. Um, Just today, I went the last four rounds. I made it to the end and never won, but I leveled up to the point where I have four crowns now. Good job. Dude. And and uh, in order to get it, just by leveling up, I have to get tw to level twenty six. That's um, actually how I got my Sonic the Hedgehog. Right. I'm, I'm playing this, and I get to, and multiple times, multiple times I'm playing this. I get my third round is always what I call it wall siege in my in my tweet, but it's wall guys. And man, I'm using our f bomb. 
fuck that episode. Fuck that thing. Which one is, is it? the one where you have to push things and stack, right? Yes. Yeah, you have to jump on the thing to go over the wall. No, yeah. it's right. BS. Right. Look, the mechanics in Fall Guys, as far as like the jump and grab, are bad. Are not good enough bad. for that level to not make you angry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's totally warranted. They need to fix climbing if you're going to make us. I'm not. I am not a person who gets angry at video games anymore. If I do, I just turn it off and leave. But I legitimately, for the first time in like 15 years of playing video games, that was the first time I thought to myself, I want to throw my controller at my TV right now. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's 15 definitely... times in a row I, pl- I played that. It's it's enraging. I, I do not blame you. Um, I only have a few more things that I'm going to get through. Uh, I watched Scream uh, last night on Halloween. Just, uh, I felt like just returning you to that. You see those set shots of uh, Courtney Cox? I did. Yeah, she's back, baby. Um, I went back to the original. I just felt like... Uh, I, I, thought, I thought about what I wanted to watch, and I almost watched Trick or Treat, and I'm like, honestly, I think Trick or Treat's going to make me sad right now, so I'm going to put in Scream. Mm-hmm. Just going to go for the classic old feel-good slasher. Favorite scary. Um, one other thing I will talk about, uh, uh, one other film, um, I got two other things after this, is Scare Me. This is a Shudder original that mm-hmm. was filmed during quarantine. It's got Aya Cash, who's Stormfront from The Boys, uh, Josh Rubin, who wrote, produced, and uh, starred in this, and he comes from college oh, humor. Oh, he made it? Yeah. Oh, he yeah, comes he from really college was. humor. Uh, and uh, uh, also funny. Chris Red um, from SNL. Mm-hmm. And uh, these three, uh, mostly it's about Josh Rubin and Aya Cash. And this was a really cool film because what it is is that they're both writers to some extent. One is like a wannabe screenwriter and the other is a professional published uh, horror writer. Um, Aya Cash is the published one. And all of it is uh, Josh Rubin's character being so consumed in this like inferiority complex against her. And she spots it so fast and she calls him out. She's like, fine, let's do a story night. Scare me. And so they try to scare each other by telling stories. But as they tell their stories, uh, what they're doing when they're really like getting on a roll against each other is they're creating the atmosphere of the story in the cabin. So you'll hear the sounds, you'll see shadows, you'll see lights that work with it, but they don't actually show really anything from the stories. It's them creating it uh, and then creating it with sound effects and things. And then their performances, Um, their performances are extremely good. For example, Aya Cash has this one long shot where she's telling the story of a little girl interacting with her grandpa. And as she's doing the lines of both, she's only facing one direction, but she's switching her face and changing her voice to be both of the characters. Nice. Uh, and it's very effective. It's a really good watch. Um, last things I'll talk about. I finally read the Swamp Thing Halloween Spectacular because I wanted to, and that thing is bomb. I was dope. Really happy about it. And lastly, I just started watching The Owl House from Disney. Um, motivation for that is I really wanted to, but also I'm writing a big paper at the end of this semester that's related to queer representation in children cartoons, and no show is more important right now for that than The Owl House. Nice. I saw that on Dis- well, searching Disney Plus the other night because Fanny was watching the Halloween Town movies while I was at work, and I saw it was on there because I remember we saw the trailer for it, and I love the trailers, so it's in my watch list. And thank you for the reminder, because I need to watch it. Yeah, Owl House just went up on Disney+. Plus. Um, Dana Torres is the uh, Torres, Torrance or Torres? I'm not sure. I think it's Torres, is the uh, showrunner. She created it. She was a writer on Gravity Falls, and it shows. Um, she's also bisexual, and the main character is a bisexual lead, which is awesome. Right. Yeah. Hell yeah. <clears throat> That's it? Right. That's it. That's me. Pass it on. Boom. Boom. My turn. I had to write it down, because I forget my shit. 
Uh, we talked about Event Horizon, so I did that. Um, I watched. All right, so I'm gonna give a, a quick story. So I watched this movie as a child, and I and uh, it was a horror movie. And since then, I have never been able to find it. Uh, uh, I probably watched it before I was 10 years old. So like literally like like 20 years of me trying to figure out what this movie is. And I thought I found it, uh, and I didn't. But I watched it. But I watched it, and I'm gonna tell you that I watched it anyway. It's called Night of the Demons, and it's a uh, late '80s, basically Evil Dead uh, ripoff kind of movie. It's about a bunch of kids go to a house, and it gets possessed. They all get possessed one at a time. Blah blah blah, that kind of thing. Um, but it, it have a, it's it's a cult classic, and it's got it had a remake with uh, Shannon Elizabeth in t- 2009 that I'm gonna watch because people seem to like it. But it's a it's a <clears throat> very very fun, super fun, um, like haunted house, uh, 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 like monster movie. Um, it's very reminiscent of Evil Dead, um, with like the special effects and like and the characters. The acting's atrocious, like truly one, truly some of the worst acting I've ever seen in a haunted in a haunted house movie. But what's really great about it is all the characters are they're all repugnant, terrible teenagers, right? But when they all become evil monsters, they all become much better actors, and they're all really fun to watch when they're zombie monsters because they're all basically like their personality is just evilified, very much like kind of like an evil Ash. Um, if it's like very um. I felt like Army of Darkness with like the evil Ash, but just a bunch of those characters. Um, so if you guys want to watch a great Evil Dead ripoff, Night of the Demons. I know you wanted to watch it. I have been wanting to watch that for a while. Uh, this uh, was, I watched awesome. it. Uh, I, I, I would invite you if I knew. That's okay. I, yeah, wasn't, yeah. I, I wasn't here yet. I don't think that might be true. Yeah. He was gone for a long time. That's true. Um, let's see. Uh, I did the Animal Crossing thing. Um, I re-downloaded Star Wars Squadrons because I was having some PC problems. So I got to the exact same part that I got to the last time I played it, which was the two missions that were the prologue. So I'll probably beat that game next week. Uh, hey, that game's still cool. It still plays really great. Um, I started to play and stream Warhammer 40,000 Space Marine. And this is a super dope uh, Gears of War-style third-person shooter that came out in 2011. Um, and I've been reading Warhammer comics. I've been listening to some Warhammer audiobooks. So I wanted to play this game again. And boy, howdy, guys. That game still rules. Uh, if anybody wants to get Warhammer audiobooks, by the way, I think for the next three days on Humble Bundle, that's there's an $18 deal, and you get, like, 40 Yeah. Yeah. It, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, I bought that, which is another thing we're talking I about. I bought that, too. Yes, I'm so... Oh, my gosh. Um, I was like, I was like $18. I got all this Warhammer audiobook to yeah, listen to. Um, please. I, that's the next thing I'll talk about. But yeah, um, Space Marine is a is a super fun third-person shooter. Um, it's about like six, seven hours long, uh, and each chapter is broken up into like basically like hour-long chunks. So it's going to be a nice, easy, like like six-part stream. Because um, I want to stream more, but like scheduling it out with like long games is hard. So I really like that this is like a nice game that tells you, hey, chapter one, chapter two, very easy to play. It's a lot of fun. Um, if you love Warhammer, uh, it's great. If you're new to Warhammer, it explains everything. Uh, very easy story. You land on this planet that orcs are invading, and they're trying to take over the Titan uh, manufacturing plant. And Titans in the Warhammer universe are these giant kaiju-esque machines that are built for war, and the orcs have taken the place over. So you've got to stop them. But orcs are way too dumb to do all the things they're doing, so you're figuring out, how did all these dumb orcs take over this place? Ooh, is it space magic? We'll find out in probably Chapter 3, because I played the game, I know. Um, that game's great. Watch me stream it whenever I stream it. Um, moving on to Warhammer audiobooks. Sparks, I bought a bundle for 18 bucks that gave me so many things. And um, all of these things are like 15 hours long. So I didn't want to start something because I know I wouldn't be able to finish it. But there was one short novella called Templar that's an hour long. And Brandon, I'm going to send it to you because it's an hour long short story. And it's a fully, a fully um, um, produced um, like theatrical audiobook, right? You know, with the steps and the clanks and the yells. Um, and I want to get you into Warhammer. And I gave you a book, and reading's hard, so I'm not worried about that book. But this is a short story. It's an hour long. It is awesome, my guy. It is. It is. It is so rich with character and and plot and like and 
It's just so good. And I'm going to give it to you because you get it for Humble Bundle. I can easily send you the file. It's just, it's a, it's so cool because it's about a guy, a space Marine who for the, <coughs> excuse me, for the first time has to fight his brothers, the chaos space Marines, right? War, Warhammer is about uh, space Marines. Half of them become evil because of space gods, right? What happens when you have to kill your brother for the first time? That's what this thing's about. And the character stuff is so good. And it's all about these big, strong boys who realize they're not big, strong boys when they're faced with real shit. And it's just so good. And it's so well-written. And I just really think you would love it. Like, I think it's right up reality because it feels very much like Star Trek, but like the, the opposite chaos Star Trek. Um, Cause it's all about like order and chaos um, guys. Warhammer is mm. so cool. There's a great comic book out right now. Uh, there's a, there's audio books to read. Uh, please check it out. Warhammer's dope. I love it so much. Um, I read some comics. Dracula, Mother Effer. I won't swear because we went through some of them. That's an original graphic novel by Alex DeCampi. This has been on my pull list. I've been wanting to put, pick this up. And Erica Henderson. I can, uh, I'll let you read it if you, unless you're just going to buy it. But, I probably um, will at some point. But uh, that's a book I've been waiting for for a long time. That is a 1970s noir story about what happens when Dracula's brides kill Dracula and then go try to run the world. Um, that book is so cool. And it's just like a nice little six issue thing. And it's so beautiful. And it's like a lot of the time there's not a lot of dialogue and it's just super beautiful art. And it's just, it's one of those books where like, this is what I love comics for, man. Like it's just like two people making this dope ass piece of art. It's an original graphic novel. It's like 20 bucks. Um, I think it's awesome. Um, I think it's going to get a, a bunch of acclaim. I think it's, it's just, mwah. Um, I read some X-Men, X-Men Stasis, chapter 11. Hey guys, X-Men's cool. I don't need to tell you anymore. Um, Giga came out. Giga is the book I've been most looking forward to for a billion years. Um, that's about what happens when these giant, um, these giant like mecha kaijus die and then we start living inside of them. And then what is the actual reason people live inside these things? And it's so much more spiritual than I thought. It's so much more human than I thought. The giant robot stuff is almost second, second to the whole story, which is really good world building. Um, a lot of people are picking up Giga. It's getting a lot of heat. I think this is going to be a, a, a super winner. I added it to my pull list at the yeah. comic store. Um, I bought a, a variant cover from a comic <clears throat> store halfway across the country because it was so dope. So I'm getting that sent to me. Uh, this is the one to look out for, guys. Giga rules. The last book I'm going to talk about is Dr. Doom. I know you're reading Dr. Doom. You probably haven't read this issue I have yet. not. That's okay. The entire book is either, um, it's, you know, a 22-page book, but every single page is either a full-page spread or a double-page spread. So there's a total of, like, 30 panels in this book in, in total. But it's all about um, the Simcarian uh, Liberian War. And it's literally just Dr. Doom prose of Dr. Doom explaining why he loved war, why he's so good at it, why he's taking over this country. It is, it he's is, so happy. dude, it is so, <laughs> it is, like, it's one of the best Dr. Doom issues ever, like, ever, ever written, for real, because it's all about, what about, this guy is a true dictator, he's a bad person, but also he's a really good person in ways, so it's hard for me to, he's like, man, I'm just so good at war, I love it, I'm just like, how do I root for you, it's so crazy, mm -hmm. um, but man, he does some stuff with, with the side characters that's just really engaging, um, there's something with Victorious for specifically that's, like, character changing, um, Holy I'm shit. so mad that this book's ending in two issues, because this specific issue is, like, a, it's, like, a, I don't think it's going to be. It's like a key issue for Doctor Doom. It's like a game-changing Doctor Doom issue for like the character and his surroundings. So um, I just love that book, man. I, I am encouraged that Cantwell is on Iron Man right now, yes. and that's being received well because I'm yeah. like Doctor Doom stuff can still spill over there. Absolutely, like, this, this what he's doing with Doctor Doom ain't done. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I was just so surprised. Like Salvador Larocca isn't the best artist, specifically like when he's doing double page spreads and he's drawing giant people. He doesn't draw great people, but what he does do, draw are good machines. And luckily, Doctor Doom's a dude in a mask, so that always looks great. Um, that's my week, Brandon. Hit it up there. Uh, I also I also read Giga. Yes, uh, I picked up a Giga. I liked it. Uh, it was very unexpected. 
I'll give it a couple more issues. But yeah, it's cool. good. Um, I read a book that I missed. I am a big fan of Immortal Hulk. We've talked about it on the show a bunch of times. Uh, mm-hmm. Ryan, you've read it. We will. Sparks, you've read some issues, I'm sure. Yes. And, just... <laughs> and we've done it for our book club. Um, the uh, the issue that I missed was the first one shot tie in Immortal Hulk <laughs> Great Power. Yeah, yeah. I got this one. Um, I somehow missed this. This is written by Tom Taylor. Now, I thought to myself, I have all the Immortal Hulk tie-ins, right? And I was looking at it like, holy shit. I didn't even know Tom Taylor did an Immortal Hulk tie-in. I love Immortal Hulk. I love Tom Taylor. So I had to go looking for it, and I bought it from mycomicshop.com. And uh, that book was really cool. I'm really sad I missed it when it first came out, uh, because it's supposed to set in a very specific point in continuity. Um, (laughs) It would have made a a lot more sense if I had read it at the time. Yeah. But that book is basically, for those of you who don't know, uh, somehow the Devil Hulk ends up inside Spider-Man. Yep. And uh, Bruce Banner no longer has the Hulk inside of him, and Spider-Man becomes Hulk at night. And it's kind of this is kind of like, like Spider-Man says to Bruce, like this is a really heart heart wrenching moment where Spider-Man says to Bruce, like Bruce, I'm scared. And Bruce, like it's okay, it'll pass. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of like Spider-Man finally understands Bruce Banner in a way that he never did before because he can now turn into the Hulk. He even like says like, I can take it. I can be the Hulk if you just want to have a life again. Cause Peter's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like that issue a whole lot. I'm sad. I missed it the first time around. Um, I watched more West Wing. I'm almost done. I go, I consider dropping it completely. I'll be honest. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Sorkin leaves the show at the end of season four. Um, and you can tell the writing is not as good where the characters go is honestly borderline painful um the new characters are kind of are pretty much dull there's one character i want to punch in the face will bailey i hate him so i hate his little smug face i hate him and aaron sorkin has a very specific way of writing a way of writing that is very difficult to uh mimic uh he's a very intelligent individual and he likes his sorkinisms um and every character talks like a char- like a person that never talks like in their life. Uh, and yet he gets such good actors that they play it off. They make it work. Um, and with, and he's a, very, he's a very specific political mind. Someone who is very devout in his liberal beliefs. Um, you which, the news. Which, is what, which is why the newsroom works so well. Uh, I think, you know, it is, it is basically um, uh, Aaron Sorkin just kind of vomiting for three seasons. Um, West Wing, I totally understand why he left. He was writing every single episode of a 22 season of a 22 season um, series. Uh, 22 episode series. Sorry, not 22 season series. Um, Yeah, but 22 episodes. So he had a very difficult time with that. Having to go past four seasons was, was taxing on him. He's a guy who likes to have full control, but without Aaron Sorkin's influence, the show has become toothless. And that is its biggest problem, is that it started as being like, we're Democrats, we're going to do it this way. Uh, You know, a very romanticized version of how politics should be through the eyes of of Aaron Sorkin. Without that, it's very much like, uh, well, we've got to find compromises. Compromise this, compromise that. Are you going to compromise? We're going to compromise. We like you. We're going to compromise. And it's like the show was compromised. (laughs) Exactly. I do think so. But I do know that Aaron Sorkin was not pushed out. He left of his own volition. He's talked about it before. He just didn't want to keep going. Um, 
But the series lasted far longer than it should have. And by the time it ended, it was an election year. So they have an election going on that season um, where they introduced Jimmy Smith as the Democrat from Texas and Alan Alda as the moderate Republican from California um, running for president at the same time. Really great actors, really shit stuff that they're working with, which is way too bad. Um, Glenn Close is in an episode. She's actually really good. Uh, her character's written really well in that episode. She's going to be a, a new Chief Justice of the United States. Um, Christopher Lloyd <laughs> shows up for an episode, yeah. which is really cool. Um, Christian Chenoweth becomes a becomes a, a lead in the series. They get like really cool people in those latest seasons, and the only reason why I'm still watching is because I know things that happened in this in this last season that uh, I want to see. Um, but man, just it's it's hard getting through it. <laughs> When when you come this far, just get it all the way. <laughs> I know, it's just it's just really difficult to get through right now. Anyway, though, we'll see next week. I'm sure I'll be done. Right. I watched a movie for the first time called Silverado. Um, this movie stars guys. The star the the list of this is vamping. The list for this movie is incredible. This stars Kevin Klein, Scott Glenn, uh, Kevin Costner, Jeff Goldblum, um, John Cleese. I had the thing, but my tablet decided to screw me and took it off. Um, who haven't I mentioned? Danny Glover. Danny Glover. Thank you. Danny Glover is in this. Um, the cast is incredible. It's worth it for the cast alone, but it's mm -hmm. a very fun movie. And I totally forgot at one point Kevin Costner was a young man and Kevin Klein was a movie star. Yo, man. Yeah. 90s, Kevin Klein was everywhere. No. Yeah. Because, well, uh, Brandon, you posted all, all the movies you watch on yeah. your Instagram story. So when I saw this, I actually lit up because Silverado is one of my uh, – it's it's the movie where my brother got his name. My parents watched it. They liked the name of uh, Kevin Klein's character, Payton. And mm, that's where he yeah. got his name from. Silverado rules, yeah. yeah no, um, the, the Scott Glenn, is, for those of you who don't know, Scott Glenn would go on to be Stick in the Daredevil TV series on uh, Netflix. Yes. Oh, that's where I recognize him yeah. from. Oh, and man. he is the lead. He is the lead in in this movie. Yeah, because he plays Emmett in Silverado, right? Yes, he, he's yeah, the lead. And Kevin Kevin Costner is his brother. Yeah. So of course, when my brother and I we were small, Payton would of course be Payton, and I would be Emmett because there wasn't a Benjamin in the movie. Uh, yeah. It's a good movie. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I love. So, I, I miss those. I miss those types of westerns. Those kind of yeah. like, let's just get a really great cast together and just have a good time. Mm -hmm. What's the 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 name of the saloon? Is the Lone Star Saloon? Oh, is it the Lone Star? The, the, the Evening, the Star, evening Saloon. Star Saloon. Yes. So, fun fact: there is such a place called the Evening Star Saloon. It's not in a city. It's not a town called Silverado. It is in Deadwood, South Dakota. Deadwood. Yep, I yeah. visited. The reason why my dad and I it was on our my Route Six trip ten years ago. So we rode through town, saw it, and I was like, hey, isn't that the name of the saloon for Silverado? We went in, and I lost $40 in blackjack. Oh. Yeah. That's definitely how you like those stories to end. <laughs> I did not walk out with anything. I didn't know if I was gambling there illegal, illegally or legally because it didn't tell you how old you had to be to gamble there. So I really so I really like that movie. Um, my dad loves it. He recommended it to me ages ago, and I finally watched it. I'm glad you watched it, because I love that movie. And then, because Aaron Sorkin is no longer writing The West Wing, I had an Aaron Sorkin double feature of two, two of his movies that I had not seen yet, An American President, which was really good, as Michael Douglas as the president, and Martin Sheen, who would later be the president in The West Wing, as his chief of staff. That was mm -hmm. weird. Keep Martin, Sheen, <laughs> Martin Sheen walks into The West Wing, and I'm like, you're not the president of this one. Weird. <laughs> 
It's a sequel. Um, uh, I kind of wonder if like the West Wing was intended to be a sequel to an, an American president in some way. Or he just tasted like a political thing. And he's like, oh, I want this forever. Because the American president, what's happening in the background of American president is this, this it's the subplot of American president because the main plot is it's a romantic comedy and a romantic drama where uh, the president is trying to date this reporter. Not this reporter. Lobbyist. I don't remember what she was. Very good movie. I really enjoyed it. And then I watched Moneyball and even Aaron Sorkin can't make that movie any less dull. I hate oh, that movie. I think Moneyball rules. I love Moneyball. I, I have a... I have a I have a very deep indifference towards baseball. Thanks to my brother. Mm-hmm. No offense um, to my brother. Um, but it is just, I just found it so dull and uninteresting. I just couldn't get into it. I watched the whole thing waiting for it to get good, but I just, I just couldn't do it. Funny I, find and... that, I find that interesting because I don't care about baseball at all. And I remember seeing that in theaters and I, uh, they made me care about the characters. So like the baseball, you know, like it's basically like an action scene, like, you know, I've I've heard I've heard that, but it didn't happen for me. It was really a bummer because people said I, I would have liked it, but oh well. Well, he, he's got other things that I like. Funny yeah. enough, I probably am the biggest baseball fan on this podcast. No way, Ben. Yeah, no freaking way. <laughs> um, I, I do enjoy I do enjoy Moneyball, but I do I can't see why it could get boring. It's weird because for me, Moneyball is where myself and a bunch of other uh, baseball uh, fans and friends of mine can say that's um, it shows where analytics really dug its heels into baseball and that and that's where the game that is it, what it changed the, the game essentially that's what the movie's story. about what's up and what it's a true story. it is a true story and fun fact billy bean the main character has been with the oakland athletics for years but he is leaving this after the since the season ended he is now moving i don't know where he's going to but it's he's not going to be with oakland anymore I just don't care I, for the movie. Anyway, so then I watched another movie that I really enjoyed, which was My Fellow Americans. I hadn't seen it in a very, very long time. Uh, this is John Lemon and... Oh, help me out. What's the other guy's name? I don't know. I, I know who you're talking about, and it's not coming to my mind. From Atlantis. I know. I know. Oh, I forgot his name. Um, Wait, Stargate Atlantis? No, Atlantis The Lost Empire. I've got you. Hold on. <laughs> Michael J. Fox. Oh, 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 no, never mind. Although right. Michael J. Fox is in my, my, uh, uh, an American president. Fun fact. Oh, fun fact. Yeah. Uh, James Garner. James Garner. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. John Lemon and James Garner. Uh, that movie is very funny about and two. Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd's very good in that too. And Bradley Whitford. Yeah. I forgot he's in that. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen this in a long time. Um, yeah. Bradley Whitford, a young virile Bradley Whitford in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that movie's a lot of fun. I remember only one specific line from that movie from when I first watched it, watched it, which is the end. So I wanted to rewatch it, and I like that. I remember liking it a lot. Then I watched Chadwick Boseman's final film, released in his lifetime, *The Five Bloods*, which is on Netflix, which is Spike Lee directed film. Uh, also, the guy who plays Atticus from *Lovecraft Country* is in it. I forgot his actor's name. Jonathan Majors. Mm. Jonathan Majors. Thank you. Um, it's very good. Good. It's a very good movie. I've heard nothing but good things. Good. Man, Spike Lee's so funny because he'll make a movie that people despise, and then like two months later, he gets a movie that's like Oscar nominated. Like I do make such wild movies. Yeah. Um. I yeah I watched it because obviously it's Chadwick Boseman. Um. And I I liked Black Klansman, which is the last Spike Lee film I saw. I've not seen The Five Bloods. Um. But yeah, it's a very good movie. Um. Very interesting. He is a very interesting filmmaker right now. He is very making very um 
uh, uh, unorthodox choices with his film, with his how he makes his films. I appreciate it. Keep keep it keep it uh, keep it fresh. Yeah, there's a there, there's a lot of it's going back and forth between. Uh, for example, I'll just tell you not not a spoiler. Um, it flashes back between the Vietnam War uh, and the present day, where these people are going to find this buried treasure, um, and you see where they found how they found the buried treasure. Um, which Chadwick Boseman to now coming to Vietnam to find it in the modern day without Chadwick Boseman. When it flashes back, the four main characters are old still in the flashbacks. They're, they're just the old actors playing the playing the young parts, and Chadwick Boseman is his age. Um, to kind of to and it was an experiment. I'm not sure if it totally worked for me, but it was an interesting experiment to watch. To just like you just never see stuff like that. Yeah, uh, and it would change aspect ratio a lot. Like it will go from a widescreen in modern day to a full screen in the in the nineteen seventies. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's an interesting movie. I liked it. Right on. That's all I got. I uh, unfortunately remember one last thing I'm going to bring up um, very briefly because uh, I was doing classes while I was in Monterey, um, and I was working on one of my class projects uh, while I was in the kitchen, and my dad thought that he's like, oh, all these big name actors are in this movie, so I'm going to put it on because I think it'll be funny. And he decided he had to put it on TV in the kitchen where I was working. So I ended up having in my brain this movie while I was working, even though I didn't want it. I didn't want to be watching it. And most of the time I wasn't, but there it was. So I now have seen all in some part of movie 43. Oh, no. God. Buddy. Oh, good Lord. I cannot believe that thing exists. I thought I was forgotten in the depths. Yeah. Uh, Me too. Until he put it on as a joke for real a joke. No, he put it on because he didn't know what it was. And he saw all these big names and he's like, oh, this will be great. So he put it on. That's the mistake. My dad, my dad walked out after like the third bit, I think, and went and did something else. But he left on the TV and I was doing classwork and I'm like, I guess it's just here. (laughs) Uh, And I didn't know he wasn't still like watching. (laughs) either i thought he was still watching otherwise i would turn it off and then before i knew it it was over and i'm like uh. it's it's so impressive how many really talented people can make a really bad thing it really it, is it's truly like that's really piece. all i want to say it's, about is i like i'm i'm like baffled that all of these big names i'm like who did you all owe something to <laughs> to get you to do this because is hugh, jackman in that? hugh jackman's in Have, that um yeah. Chris Pratt, everybody's in it. Anna yeah. Ferris. Yeah. I saw uh, that movie Halle in theaters, Berry. And they were thinking it was going to be like the next like, big spoof movie. Halle Berry's oh. in a really like... Uh, uh, honestly, what made me so sad is the f- I got engaged in that movie literally one time. And it was Halle Berry's bit. Right. The beginning of her whole section is very en- engaging. It's good. It's this whole thing where she's done a whole lot of like blind dating. Uh, <clears throat> social media dating vaguely and she like just wants to cut to the chase about it and so she starts doing truth or dare with this guy and the dares are funny and then they get racist and i'm like uh this was so engaging and entertaining and then it got really bad (laughs) mag says ensemble movies are hard to work most of them are bad yeah you gotta have a a good director you have to have a good script it it, like it, it doesn't even necessarily have anything to do with the ensemble in this one because it's just like they're all just doing sketches it's, it's just that sketch all the sketches show. are shitty yeah yeah i remember it holy i God. just remember hearing how many people were in that movie and then Never. people saw how bad it was and i'm like well because i'm not watching that 
never, never watch it. It's not worth it. The fact that three of us have seen it is bad enough. That makes I, sense. I, and I'm glad that for the most part, I really didn't because I was doing work, yeah. but, I, but it was you there. And so I, I caught a lot of things. Sometimes I heard something and I'm like, did they say that? Uh, that was All bad. right. Let's get into our news. We got a full episode left. And here's your bread. And your butter. Here's your bread butter. Hey, okay, not in my ear, thank you. All right, so real quickly, we do have some sadness. Uh, Deandra Dixon, uh, Sparks brought my attention to this. Um, she is Jamie Foxx's sister. She was 36 years old, and she passed away this week on October 27th. Uh, she was... Uh, the ambassador for uh, an ambassador for the global down syndrome foundation. Uh, and they off, they awarded Dixon uh, the Quincy Jones exceptional advocacy award and said, and had this to say about it, the global down syndrome foundation's highest honor, the Quincy Jones exceptional advocacy award was inspired by Deandra and she was its first recipient. Quincy Jones himself introduced us to Deandra as one of the most articulate, iris, uh, irrepressible, Irre there you go. Um, ma magnetic people he had ever met. Yeah, I just, uh, I saw this in the news and like, I never, I never even heard of her before, but um, I was, I was happy to hear about her. I was happy to know about her, uh, not happy about the circumstances because she passed away way too young. She had Down syndrome. Um, and, uh, Jamie Foxx has regularly talked about how like he, he like, uh, brought her in to live with him for a long time long period of time um she grounded him he talks a lot about how like she was she was very much a part of the heart of his world uh and i thought that was really sweet and just like uh the the fact that she was such a clear uh advocate um for people with down syndrome and having it herself uh uh what a shame to lose her so young um and so you know like i i ache for jamie fox and his family um and I ache that I never knew anything. Yeah. I'd never even heard of her before. And I've heard a lot about Jamie Foxx and I've never heard of her before. Um, so just wanted to make sure there was a little mention of her. Yeah. Um, and then uh, just this weekend, I knew I would say this words eventually, but like, sure. On Halloween. Yeah. On Halloween. On Halloween. Sir Sean Connery passed away at the age of 90. Um, if I'm honest with you guys, I thought he quietly passed away years ago because he's been out of the public life since 2003. When, yeah, the last movie he released, Lee, Extraordinary Gentleman. I, I only knew he wasn't around because I kept hoping that like something would bring him back br even briefly. Yeah. yeah. So that his last film appearance or television appearance or something wouldn't be. Uh, Somebody tried to get him into a cameo in a comedy movie. Let me try to find it to find it. Uh, but so that it wouldn't be League of Extraordinary Gentlemen that his career went out on. Yeah. Uh, which a uh, friend of the podcast Pi brought up to me that like, you know, he, he played a, his voice for a video game yeah. after that. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what I mean? That's not what I'm talking about. Fun fact, Rick Remender helped write on that, that James Bond game he was on. And he said he got to write stuff for Sean Connery and he will never forget that the rest of his life. And I'm like, I can't even imagine what that's like. On Her Majesty's Secret Service is still my favorite James Bond game. Hey. I like that game a whole lot. It was, well, it was the first uh, third person James Bond game. Um, and Sean Connery did the voice uh, of James Bond, even though he sounded much older. Uh, sure. Yeah, it's a good game. I I love his James Bond. He's my favorite James Bond. Um, obviously, the first one I watched with Diamonds Are Forever. Um, he's the only James Bond to star in a not James Bond movie. Never say never. Oh, okay. Um, which is not actually, in fact, a James Bond movie, even though it is a James Bond movie. 
there's a fun story there that you should watch the documentary for. Um, yeah, that that sucks. He, they lived a really long and a really influential life. Um, besides James Bond, my favorite movie of his is probably Michael Bay's best movie, which is The Rock, Rock. Um, where he has the greatest line in the world, like, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, like, a football star is going to do this, but, like, uh, winners go home and F the prom queen. And I'm just like, oh, Sean, you sound weird when you swear. Um, <laughs> that guy was, that guy was great. Hunt for and October. Also not great in some aspects. You yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, High, you know, Highlander, Hunt for October. I really like Indiana Jones 3. Uh, it's my favorite oh, of yeah. three Indiana Jones films. And there are only three. Um, so <laughs> I, yeah, I, I like him a whole lot. Dragonheart. Dragonheart is one of my favorite movies of all time. Ben, there you go. Yes. Uh, yeah. is like, hold on. Is no one going to mention Dragonheart? Is right. Dragonheart going to be the one to do it? Dragonheart is such an important film in my life. It was one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, it was the first thing that my father and I bonded on, uh, which changed our relationship forever. So Sean Connery has a really influential mo- moment in my life. No, yeah. I remember the first time I watched Dragonheart, or at least tried to watch it because I can't, didn't go through it because I was really freaked out. Uh, I was like really small. Uh, was when um, it was when the Dra- when uh, Draco shares half of his heart with the prince, and then uh, Bowen says, "I," he's like, "I will make sure he lives up to his potential," and he's like, "Make sure that you do." And then like, he, like, and then he keeps like killing people, or he does like horrible things, and then he leaves, and that's when uh, I think that's when my brother and I bailed. I got on. I got this. Your best losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. <laughs> Sean, thank you for your service. Uh, yeah, Dragonheart's a big one. Highlander's obviously a big one. Um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen's a big one. It's not for the, wrong for the, for the best reasons. Uh, like he he's a staple of a film and will be forever. Hollywood, um, yeah. yeah, may may I'm, he work well. He earned it. He got to ninety. Good for him. Yeah. First first James Bond movie I ever watched with him in it was Doctor No. Yeah, yeah there's too. a there's a ton of movies, Mag. You're right. The oh. man who would be king, the Untouchables. Untouchables rules. Holy yeah. shit! Holy shit! Let's talk about the man who would be king. That movie is incredible. That movie has Michael Caine and Sean Connery. And I cannot confirm or deny this moment, and nobody can figure out if, in fact, this really happened. But there is behind the scenes footage that shows an unedited version of him of his his fall, uh, and it looks like he did that. Oh, yeah. Just they cut the bridge and watched him fall and filmed that whole thing to the end of the canyon. And it looks like he really did that stunt. It's incredible. So I looked it up. Uh, they wanted to get Sean Connery for Quantum of Solace because there's a scene where he where he goes into like some bar and he meets and like I don't remember even remember the scene, but he's yeah. supposed to apparently meet like an older guy who was a spy or something, and it was going to be Sean Connery, and he said, "Hell no." I'm so glad it was that not... he was not in Quantum of Solace because, like, if you were gonna do that, Skyfall was the movie to do For that. For real, Quantum of Solace is still one of the worst James Bond films. Yo, I'm so glad did, it you, wasn't did you guys find that letter that he wrote to Steve Jobs about not wanting to be in that Apple commercial? No, he that wrote a letter to Steve Jobs because this is back in 1998, and he's like, "No, I'm not gonna sell my soul to any company." And he's like, "I'm effing James Bond." And he's like, "Don't ever ask me again." Best Sean Connery. Supposedly, was, like, I, I recall like them saying like he was this close, just so close to being in Crystal Skull, and then he also then said no, no. Uh, I can't, I can't blame the guy. Like at a certain point, I'm sure there were so many people who thought I'm going to be the nerd that gets Sean Connery back in one project. I'm going to be yeah. the guy, yeah. and Sean Connery's like, please just let me be. Let me be a human being. <laughs> there was um, 
there was a, a fan-made poster going around that was the only the only time I've ever been okay with the James Bond being the code name fit because yeah. I've I've never liked that I've never liked that theory. Um, the only time that I was okay with it was when I saw a poster that had Sean Connery coming back and becoming uh, the villain, mm-hmm. and Daniel Craig would have to go get him, and I was like. I'd watch that, like I a J, like old the the first guy who had the code name James Bond going coming back to to mess up MI six. I'd watch that. Oh, I heard like one of the best dad jokes today. Is it a Sean Connery joke? It is a Sean Connery joke. Yes. Oh, who's there? Dishes. Dishes who? Dishes Sean Connery. Ah, I love it then. Thank you for that. Jesus. All right, shall we move on? Yeah. Yeah. We still have some frustrating news to get through real quickly before we get to the fun stuff because we have a Ray Fisher update. <laughs> Ray Fisher v. Warner's Warner Media is still going. God, make it stop. No, because um, if it stops, then he won't get justice. Nowhere near close. I just don't ever want to hear the words Justice League again. Um, oh, that's bad news, buddy. I know, seriously. I rather hear. The, I want to hear the words Justice League, but not Zack Snyder's Justice League. I don't want to hear. No. All right. Anyway, so he had a whole thing that came out with Forbes. It was a whole interview. I read the whole thing. Um, almost gonna. I forgot to link it down below, but check it out if you want. Um, he, these are some choice quotes that were that were making the rounds on the internet. So he said, "What set my soul on fire and forced me to speak out about Joss Whedon this summer was my becoming informed." I didn't realize it was just happening this summer. Uh, becoming informed that Joss had ordered that the complexion of an actor of color be changed in post-production because he didn't like the color of their skin tone. Uh, Joss Whedon's people did put out a statement for this one. This is the only thing they spoke to. Um, The individual who offered the statement acknowledged that this was just something that he had heard from someone else and accepted as truth when when in fact simple research would prove that it was false. As is standard on almost all films, there were Numerous people involved in mixing the final product on this film, including the editor, special effects person, composer, etc., with the senior colorist responsible for the final version's tone, colors, and mood. This process was further complicated by the fact that Zach shot on film while Josh shot on digital, which required the team, led by the same senior colorist who has worked on previous films for Zach, to reconcile the two. Whew, that's a lot. That's fair. Um, Sparks, you wanted to make sure that we talked about the the Josh Whedon. Yeah. One? Look, so I want to talk about the, the the spokesperson comment because, like, I I believe Ray Fisher has a lot of like something. Uh, something is rotten in the state of Denmark. Something is bad <laughs> in the state of DC. Okay, uh, I got trouble. I think Fisher has a reason to be doing all of this. I just don't think this particular one is a good one. Yeah. This doesn't make a lot of sense. Even if Joss did say that, which sounds outlandish to try to say it in any kind of film production scenario, the spokesperson's correct. There are so many other talking heads involved in that process. It doesn't come down to Joss Whedon's final say anyway. Uh, that doesn't fly. It doesn't make sense when you think about how big budget movies or movies in general are made. Um, that, that that one to me feels like Ray Fisher being upset about other things and then just latching on to this other thing that's infuriating when you hear it because it is mm-hmm. that, that the idea that someone said that holy god is that upsetting but it doesn't make a lot of sense sure? um, I I I believe Fisher on a lot of things but this one I I I don't have reason to believe this one is true this, this also very very Silly. This could also be like a person telling him this to cause like a bad right. Reaction. The, the, the yeah. spokesperson even says that like the person who who said this said that they heard it from someone else and yeah. accepted it. Like this, 
the the so the thing is like for it to be true and like fully supported by warner brothers the amount of people who would have to be okay with this involved in the production and be aware of it is astonishing mm-hmm. and the fact that we wouldn't hear about it would be insane uh there's well, just too many people with eyes on that kind of process as you know it's incredibly hard to believe in fact we can be 100 percent sure that Zach, that joss joss whedon did not have final say of what this movie was going to look like yeah, like from like yeah, he was a reshoot man, and then that movie was edited to be two hours, like exactly to right to may push out. Yeah, so yeah. I I I support what Ray Fisher's trying to do, uh, in, in the greater sense of like standing up for himself, feeling like something was done wrong. Absolutely, this is just not a good part of that argument. Sure. Uh, it doesn't hold a lot of water. Now he did. Now he did go on in the article to accuse the director of purposefully erasing several characters of color, including Kirsi Clemens, Iris Kirsi Clemens as Iris West, Zeng Kai's Ryan Cho, and Karen Bryson's Eleanor Stone, uh, which were all characters in, in Zack Snyder's film, were cut for the Joss Whedon cut. I mean, that is that is just true, but yeah. But here's the thing. Here's the other thing, though. At least in the case of Iris West, we actually know that's not true. Yeah. Joss Whedon's not the person who decided Iris West was cut from the film before Joss got there. By Warner. The the talking heads at Warner decided they didn't want her in the movie anymore. Yeah. They'd already changed those things. So this does not all fall on Joss. No, it's yeah. not Joss doing a color washing out. Well, we talked no about... Problem. We don't... Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. But we do not know... Like, we do not have public information access to exactly why the decision was made to cut Ryan Choi or when and blah, blah, blah. But we do know the Iris West one. And we do know that wasn't even Joss. That happened before he got there. We, we talked about it a lot. Like, you know... Joss Whedon did. Joss Whedon may have had, had a a may have created a toxic work environment, but he was also coming into a toxic work environment. I I find it very hard to believe that everybody who was working on Zack Snyder's Justice League went to Joss Whedon and said, "Hey, welcome to the movie. Completely change it. Can't wait." Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I understand why like conceptually these things are upsetting. I'm just saying like these those particular claims they they don't make a a, a lot of traction here. One because we know the Iris West situation. The other because wow, it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. What I will say, what I find have found more upsetting is the things that uh, Ray Fisher has been saying about uh, the cases with John Berg or with Jeff Johns, these phone calls, mm-hmm. these kind of threats to his career. Those are the things that I'm more upset about if they're true. Those are the things that I do want more formally investigated. And I don't like the way that like, it definitely seems Warner Brothers is trying to work its way around something with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, he made the claim that Joss Whedon was not, in fact, picked by Zack Snyder, uh, like we were all told. Uh, I, I believe that. I mean, yeah, I, I never, yeah. I never, I honestly never believe Zack picked Joss. I, I figured that the reason why Warner Brothers brought Joss Whedon in is because, well, this dude made the Avengers. This guy can. Well, make the, if you recall, if you recall, when we talked about we talked about it ages ago when he left the film, when when Zack Snyder left the film, that this the statement that was released was that Zack Snyder personally picked Joss Whedon to do the reshoots for the movie. Reshoots that were already going to happen. Uh, uh, I don't know Zack Snyder very well. I personally don't believe Joss Whedon would be the best choice for his type of movie. I do not believe that. We all, and that's, those are what we all said when, when the, when the news came out, like it was very surprising. These two do not fit. They are totally different directors. It felt like and feels like Warner Brothers trying to make that transition feel smooth to people. Yeah. Um, It's fortunate. And also, like, whatever, ultimately, in the case of what Ray Fisher's talking about, uh, what does that matter? Uh, Honestly. And then he, Uh, and then finally he said something that, that, has been annoying me ever since he started this. Uh, I plan on getting much more uh, specific about 
each of these guys after the investigation is over this interview is just the abridged version i'm like if you're doing it anyway just tell us everything i really hate i'm on ray's side but at the same time i really hate when people do that and i'll admit i'll admit that this that this frustration of, of a statement like that that he says all the time could just be like i'm just sick of hearing about this about this movie i i do think that it's there's reason that Ray Fisher can't say certain things. I'm sure he has a legal team advising him on shit right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, he's, he's probably honestly being more vocal than they even want him to be. Uh, and he's like trying to keep it as vague as possible, but he's angry and I get mm-hmm. it. I get it. If he's angry and he wants to express that, that's totally fine. Um, this was not a great, uh, this week, these examples were not the best uh, on the case for Ray Fisher, in my opinion, like a lot of these things are like the they're they're too much hearsay uh, and not a lot of factual evidence. I think they're just like mounting up a bunch of uh, making people pissed at the people he wants people to be pissed about. And I'm like, I think you have legitimate claims in other places. I don't know; these are not good ones. I think he just heard this in like his rally motion. He got pissed up. Yeah, yeah I, and I get that. Yeah, but I'm like, it's bro, wrong. Yeah, bro, think about how movies are made. Yeah. Right. All right. Moving on. Some <laughs> fun stuff. I hope. Um, all right, so we got some streaming news. Well, all, actually, really, all the streaming services had some something major to announce. Uh, Netflix announced two things. Uh, one was the Assassin's Creed deal that they just recently made, where Netflix was going to develop a live-action series based on Assassin's Creed. Um, they, they said epic, genre-bending, live-action adaptation, uh, and a search for uh, a search for, is currently underway for a showrunner, so they don't have a showrunner yet. But it will be produced by Ubisoft's Jason Altman and Danielle uh, Kranich. And uh, this collaboration will tap into the iconic video game's trove of dynamic stories to create live-action, animated, and anime series. Okay. I love Assassin's Creed. There's a new Assassin's Creed coming out in two weeks, and I'll be playing it then. Uh, I was going to start playing Watch Dogs Legion, but then I realized another Ubisoft open-world game comes out in two weeks. So I'll just wait for that one instead. <laughs> the more fun one um hey that movie i watched 15 minutes of it and thought it was trash so i turned it off so let's hope this fares better i think uh netflix is banking on uh video game adaptations as tv shows will work yeah. better to be fair like netflix seems to be the, the place for a lot of these adaptations yeah. like dragon's dog jog excuse me dragon's dogma people think that's fine but still fine is better than bad and castlevania rules and mm-hmm. like we got more coming out so like uh if netflix is the place like cool i, I assassin's creed rules like that is one of the biggest video game franchises, and it's so easy. It seems so easy to make to make that branch out into like it already has tons of comics into movies and TV. Like it just makes sense. Yeah. Uh, just do it, do it well, please. Um. Okay, and then something rose from the dead this week. Pacific Rim. We all we heard about it years ago. The Pacific Rim animated series uh, was coming. Now we finally know it is in fact coming. Uh, Pacific Rim: The Black. From Craig Kyle, who is the writer on Thor Ragnarok, Wolverine and the X-Men, and X-Men Evolution. Uh, and Greg Johnson, who I don't know. Um, this will now, instead of 2020, it is now coming out in 2021. Uh, from Polygon Pictures, which kill me. Um, and will follow two siblings, an idealistic teenage boy and his naive younger sister, who are forced to pilot an abandoned Jaeger across a hostile landscape landscape in a desperate attempt to find their missing parents. That sounds cool. Yeah. They've been threatening us with this animated series for a very, very long time. Um, hey, man. I'm still waiting for it. I, I just wish... It. We all did. I thought it was dead. Uh, I just wish it wasn't coming from Polygon. 
that was kind of a blow for me. I'm like, really? Them? Remind me what else Polygon did? The Godzilla Earth trilogy. Never you know mind. They, they got it because they're probably hella cheap. Probably. Yeah, probably. I just would have liked something more. It does look more colorful. We saw the two. We do what is out right now are two images from the series and its opening intro. Uh, and it looks colorful. It looks all right. Uh, hopefully it's not as stiff as other Polygon pictures properties. I don't have a lot of faith, but you know, if the story's good enough. I think the story will be pretty good because Craig Kyle, I like Craig Kyle, so. Craig Kyle wrote a lot of really great X-Force. Back in yeah. Um, all right. Excuse me? Pardon? Did what? you guys like do you guys like Moon Knight? Yes. Okay. You cut out when you said Moon Knight. You cut out too, so it was waiting. <laughs> All right. Well, Moon Knight, uh, we got some some movement on the Moon Knight TV series coming to Disney Plus. Uh Oscar Isaac is said to be in final negotiations uh for the role of Mark Spector. Who yeah, but who's the person who said this, Brandon? Deadline. Yeah. I don't know anymore. Yeah. Well, first off. What what happened was really funny. Like discussing film is uh, a, a viral Twitter a Twitter account. You know they they write out the headlines so that you don't ha- you, they, you read you read their headlines so you don't have to read the article pretty much, and they take and they take everything. Um, they said has been cast in the in, in the show, but deadline was very clear. It's like it's final negotiations. It is not cast. I think they're covering their ass from the Tatiana Maslany thing. Yeah, and I also probably I wouldn't be shocked if he is in final talks. But yeah. they were just so hot on to get the headline as that mm-hmm. you're able to do, like a bunch of silly people. Yeah. Uh, Mohammed Diab, uh, Diab has been hired to direct the series, uh, and nobody's commented on either of that. So, yeah. Who knows? Um, that's cool. Uh, I, I'm cool with Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight. It's not what I was picturing, but yeah. I'm, um, I'm cool with it. He's he's legitimately like one of my favorite working actors today. Um, and I would love for him to be in something Marvel. Like Moon Knight's not the first choice, but I know I know that dude can do like intense emotion and like and like do crazy shit. Yeah. So like he's gonna be a, if he is Moon Knight, he's gonna be a good Moon Knight. Just not my first top five, you know. I would have probably gone younger personally. I would have gone uh, uh, more Jewish. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I can't. I don't. I haven't read enough Moon Knight. But when I heard Oscar Isaac was getting talks to Moon Knight, I was like, you know what? That, to me, that makes sense. I'm 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 cool with it. I think of um, uh, Annihilation, like when he's like that soldier, and because like Mark Spector is a mercenary in Egypt, so like uh, Oscar Isaac can play so many different roles, and Moon Knight has multiple personalities, so he's he's you know James Lee and, and and all these other people. He did play an Egyptian uh, once in um, X Men Apocalypse. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah. Uh, but Mark Spector is a white man, so <laughs> I don't think that matters. I did it. I got no, there. I get it. No, I get it. All if right, he was like you, maybe not a white <laughs> Jewish man. All right, let's move from Disney Plus to HBO Max. Uh, HBO Max had some news. They are coming out with a new Tiny Toons series. Wow. You guys hmm. remember Tiny Toons? I do I remember think- Tiny Toons. They're tiny, they're toony, we're all a little loony. Don't All right, I remember that theme song. No, I I actually liked Tiny Toons a lot more than MAX growing up. Do you remember I, the? Uh, yeah, I think I did too, actually. Do you remember the extreme uh, uh, Looney Tunes where they go to the future and it's and it's like Looney Extreme or something like Looney oh. X or something like that? Oh God, oh. dude! I remember the Duck Dodgers TV show. 
Black Doctor's TV show rules. That's not what I'm yes, talking it about. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. That's um, not what I'm talking about. I don't, I don't remember. The only extreme show I remember is Extreme Dinosaurs. No, not that one. But I remember <laughs> that too. Yeah. Um, all right. Tiny Toons Lunaversity has gotten a two-season straight-to-series order uh, from executive producer Steven Spielberg. Aaron Gibson will serve as the showrunner and, and will co-executive produce with Nate Cash. Uh, Tiny Toons Lunaversity will capture all the clever, submissive, and smart humor that made Tiny Toons Adventure such a standout series. Babs, Buster Bunny, and the rest of the gang follow their comedic ambitions all the way to Acme Lunaversity, the esteemed institution of higher hijinks learning, where young dreamers become professional tunes. Here they form long-lasting friendships with one with one another and perfect their cartoony craft while studying under the greatest cartoon characters in history, the Looney Tunes. So essentially it's them, grow, it's kind of like a Rugrats all grown up situation where it's the Tiny Tunes, but they're going to university because before they were like elementary school being taught by Bugs, Daphne, and the gang. Yeah. I'm not, so uh, the fact that they're, that this is straight to series already makes me think that they really believe in Animaniacs. Yeah. That, that show for them at least is good enough to, all right, cool. So this obviously works. Let's do that other thing too. Um, yeah. uh, I would like and to let's see, put it on our service, not on Hulu. Yeah, weird. <laughs> I would like to see Animaniacs first, just to see if like it transitions well. Um, but like, I like this. I, I'm not against this idea. Like, I'm, I'm not against it either. Because when I first heard that t- that Tiny Toons was coming back, I'm like, oh my god, and they call me nostalgia's bitch. Yeah. Have any of you have any of you watched the new Looney Tunes yet? No, not yet. No. Have you? Have you? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's good. Cool. All right. No, because I I would like to watch the the new uh, the new Looney Tunes show, um, but just because when they said hey we're bringing back Animaniacs, it's, it's just we're bringing back Animaniacs. It's like okay, cool. Whereas with Tiny Tunes, they're changing it up a little bit. It's like hey, time has gone forward. They're older. They're at university now. They're not in elementary school. So you're like you know what? All right, I'll give I'll, I'll probably give this a shot. I love character evolution. Yeah. yeah. Hold on, vamp. Oh, they, I love vampires. Speaking of vampires, what did, I, what did I, did I read anything of vampires? Dracula Mother Effer. That's a terrific <laughs> You talked about Dracula Mother Effer earlier. Yeah. What are we vamping Come for, man? The host of the, the, the Hold show? Hold on, I'm doing the damn it, I can't find it. Is it or this better be funny, because we're waiting a long time. Okay, wow, there's so many extreme shows. Okay, anyway, whatever. Unicorn Warriors Eternal. Uh, is a new Peacock, is a new HBO Max TV series, animated series coming from Candy Cart. Did you lose the doc or something? No, no, I'm looking for the, hold on. Never mind. Brandon, this is not good audio. Eh. Um, So it's from Gendy Gendy Tartakovsky. It's the new, new, his new kind of a kids series since it's got Primal, which is his uh, major, which is his major thing. Do you see that? Looney Tunes, Lunat, Lunatics. Okay. I do remember. Oh my god! Yeah, you remember remember these guys? Now I remember. Oh lord, I do remember that. That oh man. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Tunes wanted to be X Men. Yeah. Nothing. Yep. Pretty much. (laughs) Okay, that was fun. Anyway, so from Gendy Tartakovsky, Unicorn Warriors Eternal follows a team of ancient heroes protecting the world from an ominous force throughout history. Unicorns have symbolized the virtuous, uh, appearing to ensure that goodness reigns. When the reawakening of our heroes comes too early, they find themselves in the bodies of teenagers damaged as a result. Their memories of who they are 
and the history of the unicorn over the centuries have been lost. With some of their magical abilities weakened and fragmented, not only do they have to protect the world against the prevailing darkness, they have to do it while navigating the unexpected laughs and humor that come with teen angst and emotions. Yeah, I really uh, look forward to this, but I look forward to everything by Tartakovsky, so... Yeah, yeah. pretty much you just had to say, hey, Tartakovsky did this thing. I'm like, I'm good. We're good. We're I'm surprised that they're splitting this between HBO Max and Cartoon Network. Yes, this is the other thing is that this will also air on Cartoon Network. Yeah. I'm just so glad that Gendy is getting more animated shows. Me too. Because, like, I didn't know if Primal did well or not. And, like, I think he works best. Like, Hotel Transylvania, that's great or whatever. But, like, I like his TV shit is where I go for. Yeah. So, like, I'm yeah. glad he's... Yeah. I was about because after Samurai Jack, the first time Samurai Jack went off the air, he was kind of like silent for a while, minus the Hotel Transylvania. He was heartbroken because he had just lost Symbiotic Titan and Samurai Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Symbiotic Titan did him dirty for a while. Yeah. No, because I remember the first time I saw Hotel Transylvania, I saw that he directed it. I was like, holy shit. I was like, I was was just happy that he was working again because I was like, what? And he had that Popeye project that they also didn't let him do. Because um, they're, they're crazy. Man, yeah. they do like they like to do Kenny Tarakovsky dirty, don't they? What the damn hell, Cartoon Network? Uh, but hopefully, hopefully uh, his resurgence will also allow for Symbiotic Titan to come back. In in his defense, Ben, for some mm-hmm. reason in the modern era, outside of Hotel Transylvania, it seems hard for Tarakovsky to get the audience and recognition he deserves. I don't know why. Uh, yet uh, Symbionic Titan just didn't get the appeal that Cartoon Network wanted it to. And I'm like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. It's a good show, but yeah. it is what I it have, is. Unfortunately, I've never seen it. And apparently, it's impossible to find. So Honestly, yeah. the nice thing is, at least Tarkovsky keeps getting work because yeah. he's been pretty consistently like getting something for a long time. Yeah. And they did bring back Samurai Jack, so that's good. He was able to close the story out, which makes me happy. Yeah. Uh we all know that the Peacemaker TV series is coming. That's um, John Cena's TV series, James Gunn's Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Agi uh, will reprise his role as John Economos Econ- in the upcoming series. He is the warden at Bell Rev, who's also working with Amanda Waller. So, from from Suicide Squad. Yeah, from the Suicide Squad. He's in the he's in the Suicide Squad. He's all, but he's also the body for King Shark. He's the mo- yeah. mocap okay. body for King Shark. Okay, oh, good for him. And then let's move from HBO Max to Peacock. If you want to talk about Apple TV Plus, there's news there too. Uh, I forgot what it is though. Um, So Peacock is coming. It it came off swinging. Brave New World has been canceled. What? That's because Uh, that show cost more than the the planet itself and nobody watched it. uh, Yeah, Brave New World, I didn't even know it was out yet. That is the Alden Ehrenreich series has been canceled. That's only one season and is currently being shopped around to new networks. It's a a series. I thought it was a movie. Man, I Uh, I completely misremember that. It's a real bummer because uh, Peacock like just launched a month ago ish Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't feel like uh, any of these shows were able to be given a chance to breathe um, especially Brave New World. Uh, Brave New World looked like a show that belonged on Netflix or HBO. And I've heard good things about it too. I'm sure it's great. Uh, I just, just like nobody's watching it. The thing is, like, you can't blame the shows when like you're launching a new streaming service and nobody nobody wants to pay for a new another new streaming service. There's just too many right now. It's, it's for real. With all the money they're saving from Quibi, now they can go to Peacock. Mm, true that. True that. Mm. No, all Peacock's the all the zero money I spent on Quibi can now afford Peacock. I don't think yeah. that logic works. 
Uh, Blumhouse actually has its own topic. Its whole topic. We're going to talk about Blumhouse for a lot. Uh, real quick, real quick uh, your Peacock news. Uh, you know they're losing Harry Potter, and now no streaming service will have Harry Potter, including HBO Max. What the farts? Wait, Peacock, Peacock is losing Harry Potter after they bought Harry Potter? Yeah, they're not going to be streaming it. Also, The Dark Knight is going to be on HBO Max for like like a month and then getting taken off. I was Isn't talking it? to so 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 uh, Zara's brother works for Warner Brothers, and I was like, I don't understand why Peacock is getting ha- the Harry Potter movies. I always thought that the reason why you get one of these streaming services is so that you can keep all your content on those streaming services forever. Um, and he's like, Well, Peacock's uh, uh, well, that's not that's not why we that's not what these are for. And Peacock. Uh, Gave us a lot of money. I'm like, if this is the thinking at Warner Brothers right now, HBO Max is not going to last. Nope. Man. Well, it probably probably overall will be fine because everyone who is getting HBO now or whatever before automatically transitioned. Remember, the price never changed for them. Yeah. Yeah. So they're keeping a strong subscriber base already. Peacock. All right. Anyway, Blumhouse. Ben, were you going to say something? Uh, I was just going to say it was, it's just dumb. That they're well, especially for Harry Potter. It's like Harry Potter is on HBO Max. That is a Warner Brothers thing that made Warner Brothers survive. That's was a big ass franchise. Cool, all eight movies are on a thing. Now they're gone. And then Dark Knight is going to be on HBO Max. Now that's gone, and it's already on freaking Netflix. I love Excuse it. Me. It's like streaming wars are, are not. They're not wars. It's like, buy, buy a damn DVD. It's yeah, like buy a DVD and shut up. Dancing Crystal. Pick one and stay there. Yeah, see what Amazon said this week? No. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're... <laughs> Everybody knew that. I don't know what they say. Oh, well, oh Amazon Amazon said that uh, you don't own the content that you buy from them. The digital content that you buy from them. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that, so, yeah. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Buy movies, guys. Insidious. It's funny because some people on my Facebook feed when that news broke, some people were like, what? But then like others were like, yeah, we've been saying this for years. Where have you oh, all been? Another digital service that I mean, yeah. Insidious is coming back in a big way. This is Insidious Five. I didn't what? realize there were four already. I did not know there was four. That's insane. I, I stopped at two, but me too. Were, the third one like looked like it had nothing to do with the first two, outside of like vague allusions to the uh, psychic lady. Okay. And so I was like, Nah, I'm out. Cool. Is Insidious? He's, is Insidious Bagul? No, that's uh, Insidious is Patrick Wilson. And he goes into like the dreamscape. Oh, at the end of the movie? Yeah. That's 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 pretty and he cool. gets taken over by yeah, it, they're good. The first two are legitimately good. It has one of the best horror scores of the modern era. Yeah. Um, well, Insidious is coming back the with the fifth entry. The last one was the lost key. Okay. I didn't I thought they were called three and four. I don't even know what the lost key is. Well, Insidious it is Insidious three. And then Insidious the Lost Key, I think. I don't remember. Um Patrick Wilson is in all of them and he will return for this one. Uh, he is going to return as his character. Ty Simpkins will be returning with him um, as, his, as his character. And Patrick Wilson will be making his directorial debut. That's cool. Wait, did you say Patrick Wilson's in all of them? Yeah. He's in the third one? He's in the third and fourth. How? Where? How is he in the third one? I don't, I don't know. I'm just reading what the article said. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I, I, it might be like a flashback thing. Though. It must be, because I'm like, it doesn't even have to do with their family. Yeah, it might be like this. And he's people. cured at the end of two. Like, he's yeah. fixed, so they wouldn't make it. Whatever. I have only seen the first two. I guess we're going to have to find Yeah, me too. I guess we're going to have to find out. So, I'm, I mean, I'm <laughs> with you, but I've seen the. Fir- I've only seen the first two. 
Um, Ty Simpkins will be yeah. returning. He plays the kid um, in that first film. Lee Winnell directed the third one. I didn't know that. I gotta watch it now. Oh shit! Yeah. Oh shit! We gotta watch it, guys. Either. Lee Winnell is the produ- is a producer on the first two with James Wan. Damn. Lee Winnell and James Wan will be returning to produce this one. Um, the fifth Insidious movie will pick up with the Lamberts ten years after Insidious: The Last Key. Insidious Four was ten years ago. Excuse me. Wow, that's why I don't remember it came out. Uh, when Simpkins' what? character Dalton begins college, um, it is going to be written by Scott Teams, who has who is a who is a new writer, but he is currently he has written the upcoming Halloween Kills with the with the creative team on that movie that's cool um i already said lee winnell and james wan will be returning uh but they will be returning with oren pelly who is also a co-creator of the franchise so the 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 movie takes place 10 years after the last key yeah okay no the last key came out in 2018 oh geez so they're time jumping okay oh that's okay well that came out two years ago and i didn't know it existed that's even worse Wow. You know what? I probably knew about him, but I forgot. I think Orrin Pelly is the guy who made the Paranormal Activity movies, too. Also, I like the first two of those. The first three are pretty good, actually. Also, yes, Patrick Wilson is technically in the third and fourth one, but it's archive footage in both. That's what I figured. So, no, he's really not. (laughs) Not getting this one. It's technically yes, but really no. So you know what's going to happen is we're going to make Ben watch all the Insidious movies and then do a whole episode on all four. Oh, Ben, I think Insidious will mess you up. I would love to see. No, can we not? Well, we got a whole year to get there, Ben. Don't worry. I vote no. I'm vetoing this. You don't get to veto. (laughs) Bullshit. Yes, I do. You don't get a veto. We did not draw up a constitution. Or you don't get a veto. (laughs) Yeah, that's the rule. Uh, I sat through all the goddamn conjuring. Well, you need to sit through all the. You need to sit through all the Alien movies, all the Halloween movies. Okay, all the... the Alien movies I'm fine with because I like that franchise, most of it. You won't after this. You like are the Insidious the movies? Ended up watching. What? You like all of the things we've ended up making you watch? I did. The first Annabelle movie was kind of eh. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, overall, you're like, I like the Conjuring franchise. I'm not saying, we all thought Annabelle 1 sucked. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, All right. We don't know Annabelle Creation. That was the really, that that one fucked me up hard. It's a good movie. All right. Project Poltergeist is a new new movie coming from John Ridley, who will write and direct um, the adaptation of an article from Truly Adventurous. Batman John Ridley? Yeah, 12 Years a Slave, John Ridley. Nice. Oh, oh, yeah, he is a movie guy for a second. I just forget about 12 Years a Slave. Yeah. I was like, I got Rick Batman! <laughs> uh, but yeah, he has been hired by Blumhouse to write and direct this movie. Oh. Couldn't More figure movie. out what it's about because I didn't want to read the article because it was spooky. Uh, <laughs> wait, well, <laughs> okay. I mean, we'll take it. Okay. Project Poltergeist. I'm imagining there's some spooky stuff in there. Um. Okay. Oh, God, really, Mag? Really? <laughs> gonna, oh gonna tie him like Clockwork Orange? Yes. No. If he makes us. Oh if he makes us. I'm not gonna go that far. Right. Now, Ben, I'm sure you're excited about this. You love don't, your good buddy, Joe Hill. Don't, don't say that, damn it. Because you remember, you know, Stephen King, is just, you remember it's his son. Dad, yes, Joe Hill's his son. I know, I know. Well, Joe Hill is getting a, 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 a short story adapted by Scott Derrickson, who will, re, who will write the script with C. Robert Cargill. 
yep. which is his, his, his uh, writing partner. Writing partner. Uh, ben, what's the short story about? I'm sure you've read it. Uh-huh. Make it up. Uh, Go with a bit for once in your life. What's it called again? Sorry. Yes, and Ben. Yes, and <laughs> the black phone. The black. It's called the black phone. Yeah. Okay. okay so well, you got a phone that's black, and if you answer it, something's gonna come out and kill you. But you. in some situations, but in some situations, the phone reaches into your ear, grabs your soul, pulls you into this alternate dimension where you have to go through a series of trials. And if you get through the trials, you get back to your own body and you live. But if you don't, you die. You are stuck in eternal hell and damnation of fire and brimstone, and it sucks. I, I want to point out what's funny is Ben accidentally kind of said the plot of Insidious. There's a whole other world, Ben. And if you don't get out of it, you die. Patrick Wilson made four of them. Patrick, uh, Patrick Wilson. The Black Phone, the short story follows uh, the journey of a young boy who has been kidnapped and locked away in a basement where the only object other than him is a non-functioning black telephone. One day, the phone suddenly starts ringing. Oh. Spooky. I like it. Cool. Um, the thing it's built to do. Oh. <laughs> Mason Thames, who is in For All Mankind, and Madeline McGraw from Toy Story 4, I don't know as who, uh, have been cast in this movie. Cool. Cool. I'm into it. All right, real quickly, a comic book news. A- I, think, I think Madeline was the voice of the doll, but I'm not sure. Oh. Mag says, sounds like Ness's dad. Oh, I'm not, what's the reference? Uh-oh. Like Ness from, from Mother of Ness? Like Mother of Ness? He'll tell us in a minute. All right, so a comic book news. I was hoping from, there'd be at least one. From our Lord and Savior, Donny Cates. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The One You Feed by Donny Cates and Dylan Burnett. We've been hearing rumblings about this for a while. We had no idea what this was. Uh, all we knew is in some way it connected to God Country. Um, it is going, it is out now. The first issue is out now from Panel Syndicate, a pay what you want digital publisher created by Brian K. Vaughn and Marcos Martin. Basically, yeah. you say, I want to pay this much money and you get the first issue. Donny Cates said, this is, my, this is my way of telling you thanks for all the... Uh-huh. So the, the first comic I ever read of this, it was Brian K. Vaughn's um, The Private Eye, which is about a world where every single person has a secret identity. Um, and I bought that comic for, I think, a dollar because I was poor at the time. This was like a long time ago. And I got mm-hmm. to read the comic for a dollar. Uh, so you can pay what you want. You can pay a cent. You can pay $10. Pay what you want. It's amazing. It will be published in, in a print volume, though. So it will yeah. be uh, coming out soon. Um this is what it's about. One day long ago and for no reason whatsoever, the moon rose in the night sky and every human being on the planet began to violently change into the demons that lived inside of their souls. Some of these monsters were good. Most were not. Now, after hundreds of years of these nightly horrors, a young prince armed only with a mysterious sword named Autumn must journey into the night to face uh, the monsters under the stars and meet the world that lives in his own heart. And this is tied to God Country? Somehow. Cool. I mean, if there's like a magical sword, it might be tied to whatever the, the God Sword is also called or whatever. Um, yeah. Dylan Burnett did um, Cosmic Ghost Rider with him. Uh, he's an awesome artist. He does great, great violence. Yeah. Um, yeah so um, hella excited. Like, if I can buy this book for like just cover price, uh, or I don't want to wait for a trade. That seems so long. I don't want to wait. I might just buy it digitally because I want to support him. Yeah. Cool. Um, speaking of Dylan Burnett, though, the their created uh, Thanos Punisher recently was announced as a pop figure 
Yep. It's pretty cute. Yeah. Thanos poster is a pop now. Yeah. Ooh. I looked at that. I was like, I have all the other Donny Case pops. Gotta get it. No, I remember I was at Frankenstein's one day. They had um, the Ghost Rider pop with little baby Thanos, Cosmic Ghost Rider. I I wanted to get that, but I didn't when I was at Hot Topic, and then I sold out. I couldn't find it again. Yeah, I have that one. I have the Doctor Strange Ghost Rider. I have the Absolute Carnage. Yeah, I got them all. Yeah. Guys, we like Tomb Raider. We like the first Tomb Raider. The movie. The movie. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. Well, the sequel's probably not coming anymore. Oh, damn it. Uh, Tomb Raider 2 has been delayed indefinitely. I'm not, I'm not shocked because of the pandemic. I'm not yeah. shocked. I'm going to hold out hope because I want to see... Uh, me too, too. Me sorry, too. Alicia Bank Vikander come back and play that role again. Yeah, me me too. too. So I'm going to hope that it comes along because honestly, like, it doesn't really matter when it comes along. Yeah. Yeah. can come along anytime in the next decade and she can still play Lauren. That, that doesn't change anything for me. I just hope it's not a decade. <laughs> yeah. Because we just, uh, the, the director who was attached just left. I he got the Meg. Left, but, like, but like also got put on the Meg too, which now implies like maybe he's just leaving. I'll tell you what, guys. If Uncharted does well, Tomb Raider 2 will be greenlit immediately. That's because sure. that, yeah. like, yo, oh, people are into uh, Indiana Jones. Let's try Tomb Raider again. So like, uh, uh, I guess, oh, Marky Mark. Yeah. That that could probably that could that could work. It's all on you, Marky Mark. Oh no! That finished filming this week, by the way, and he did it by showing us that shirt. That's not going to look good on him. Yeah. Can you imagine just Mark Wahlberg in that outfit? I can't chop a cigar. I don't know because he's not Sully. No, it's it's impossible for me to imagine it. He was catchphrase. We're, we're all going to be blown away. This is going to be like the defining role of his career. Like he's going to be unrecognizable in performance <laughs> in the, as his character. Like it'll look like he walked out of the video game. <laughs> and like, like, yes, be like, I can't, I can't. It's, it's like, like Colin uh, Farrell's Penguin. I was going to like, which Colin, what, which Colin British actor named Colin is the Penguin of the Batman. I forgot the name. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, his, his catchphrase, Sully's catchphrase from the, from the couple of games, I was trying to remember it uh, last week, but it's "We'll all be go to hell." Yeah, and it makes no sense, but it's whatever his catchphrase was. I can't imagine Mark Wahlberg saying that. Can you imagine that in Mark Wahlberg's voice? I just no, did. I can't imagine him as any of it. But but watch him, watch him just deal out the greatest performance of his life on this video game adaptation film. It'll make up for uh, Max Payne. <laughs> oh God, he was Max Payne. Oh, I forgot that existed. I think if you took it into account, Mark Wahlberg has been more shitty things than he's been good things. Probably, yeah. Absolutely. All right, Hellraiser. We got some Hellraiser news. Remember, this Hellraiser TV series was coming to HBO, but from David Gordon Green, uh, directed the early episodes. Mark for Hayden, who we now recognize as uh, a writer. We've read two of his book clubs. He did Swamp Thing. Mark for Hayden and Michael Darty are writing the series with for Hayden as the showrunner. This is amazing. Don't- we all knew that. We, we knew that from before. I was just reminding us because Mark Verhayden, we now know who that person is. Well, we did because we did Swamp Thing. Well, I know, but you know, we can now connect him to these two book, really good books that we just read. Yes. Um, Clive Barker, who's the creator of Hellraiser, has joined the series as an executive producer. Which means he's getting paid to put his name on it. Yep. I, well, maybe he producer. likes it. Well, I mean, I, don't like, know. It, I love money too, man. The thing is, like, executive producer can mean like 
yes, you're just putting money in it. It could also mean that you're actually getting some hands-on input. Absolutely. But we never know which one of those two things it is. I'm just saying. So this could be great yeah. to have his input, and it could be Just whatever. considering the amount of Clive Barker adapted stuff that comes out with his name on it, and half of it is bad, it's just hard for me to take to... to his name doesn't mean anything to me, because he puts his name on everything. Yeah. He's made video games that have been god-awful, and he put his name on it. Um, some of the, like, the things that he that's adapted from his work could be contractual thing like like you know stan lee's contract to be the executive producer of every marvel movie yeah. um but it he's coming to this pretty late you know it wasn't like just a cre hellraiser created by clyde barker this was him coming in as an executive producer late in the game yeah. so i wonder if maybe he just saw something that he liked yeah i'm just i'm excited we're getting hellraiser stuff because like man that is uh that is some gnarly shit <laughs> um mag says gotta be harder than tom cruise and with regards to mark Wahlberg. Yeah, no one can go harder than Tom Cruise. Um, Power Rangers, Brian Edward Hill, who is... Uh, Wait, the guy who Batman? Batman and the Outsiders uh, and the TV series Titans. Yeah. Uh, Brian Edward Hill has been hired to write the upcoming Power Rangers movie. Cool. Cool. Yeah. He's a good writer, yeah. I hope that that is a uh, cinematic universe that can take off between the uh, television and film adaptations. Yeah. yeah. I'd love that. And then here's a name we haven't heard in a long time. Luther Strode. Yeah. Whoa. Wait, is this that came, something? This came, the, well, you haven't heard this, Ben. Uh, Luther Strode is getting adapted for the big screen. Uh, executive produced by, jo by Justin Jordan and Trad Moore, with Justin Jordan writing the script for the movie. Good job, Justin. Um, this is coming from a, from a new studio called All Nighter. The fairly new studio. They've been around... Actually, I think they dropped this year. I don't remember. Uh, the new production company from uh, formed earlier this year. Yep, it was right there in the sentence. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> by Dinesh Shamdasani, uh -huh. Amanda Cruz, and Hunter Gorenson, the executive team that had previously led Hive Mind, the company behind Netflix's The Witcher and Amazon's The Expense, Ooh. The Expanse, as well as Sony Pictures' 2020 release Bloodshot. But that movie's fine. It's not bad. I know. So like, that's not a bad thing, I think. Um, they currently, this company currently has uh, projects uh, in the works uh, such as Weird Fantasy, a television series based on the iconic EC comic series Illuminati, Illuminatus, uh, adapted, adapting Robert Anton Wilson's and Robert Shea's science fiction trilogy. And this is the why I have the sentence in here. Final Fantasy, the first live action adaptation of the famous video game franchise. So they got a lot of work to do. Um, going off of, I haven't seen The Expanse, but I will know that's one popular and two, it's it's good. People really like yeah. that show. And then The Witcher, um, the, that and Bloodshot, you know, it's a fine movie, but it looks good, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think this is in good hands. Like, so as far as I can see, I think it's dope. I remember yeah. when I first read Luther Strode, I thought it would make a really good uh, movie. Because I remember I was talking to you about it, Brandon, and you mm -hmm. said, yeah, it's good, but it's an ultra-violent book. And at the time, this was before Deadpool, yeah, that came out were... a long time ago. Yeah, it came out. Long... They made two sequels, right? Yeah, the, the, there's the Legend of Luther Strode and the Legacy of Luther, yeah. of Luther Strode. We got a trilogy, baby. Yep, I got all three right here, actually. Oh, Treadmore is so good. Oh my god, Treadmore is really good. Justin Jordan did not quite get as famous as Treadmore did on the backs of of Justin of Luther Strode. Yeah, uh, Justin Jordan was with DC for a bit in the early New Fifty Two days, but yeah, he uh, left. He, he, does a lot of, uh, he does a lot of good indie work, though. I like a lot of his indie work. Yeah. Um, all right. 
Moving on. Stardust. The trailer for the David Bowie biopic. Oh, trailer talk. We're in the trailer talk park. The trailer park. We're in the trailer talk park. Yeah. You usually you usually go trailers and, and then we all do something. All right. Yeah. Trailers. Uh, yeah. Stardust, the new David Bowie biopic. <laughs> what do we think about this? Hey guys, I uh, David Bowie is one of my favorite musicians. Top five for sure. I love the dude a lot. That dude was such such a interesting, um, unique person. And when I look at this trailer, uh, this is like the most generic, I just want to be understood trailers I've ever seen in my entire life. And this if you don't know anything about David Bowie, this could be a decent trailer, but this is this is a terrible representation. This looks yeah. awful. It's just a movie. Yeah, it's just a movie. It looks it looks really bad. And to be honest with you, I didn't think about it before, but while I was watching it, I'm like, you know what? I don't think I want anything ever like this about David Bowie because the only way I would have wanted it is if David Bowie did it. Yeah. Yeah. And his family doesn't want it. Like he, they'd like, they asked like the family to help get involved. Like, Hey, you want to help us like make the movie? And the family said, no, he doesn't, he didn't want a biopic made about him. You know, none of his music is in the movie. Yeah. 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 The one thing that, that was the big, the big red flag after this trailer was that there was no music. What that was the, I mean, they mentioned space Odyssey. I'm like, where, where's the riff of major Tom? Where's the riff? Yeah, of they, the they, they couldn't, it was too expensive to license the music or whatever, or they wouldn't let them license the music. It's, it's, it's one of those things where like for regular people. And again, I, I hate going, I always go to Bohemian Rhapsody, but that is the most recent biopic that that's bad. Uh, that's a bad representation of the band. And I'm just like, regular people will see the Stardust thing. They're like, oh man, look at that's David Bowie. That dude, uh, he wore heels once. And that's what they think about it. Right. And that is, that, it makes me so mad that it, that's what they're going to come away from this movie. That Oh, he was eccentric. Right. Like, uh, not only so much more than that. Not only that, it's so recklessly handled that I think it's just a dangerous representation to put into a public idea of like who David Bowie was. Like that line where he's just saying uh, uh, about like dressing in women's clothes, uh, and, and banging a lot like yeah. i'm like that re- regardless of like the truth or stuff i don't feel like this is going to be handled well no. respectfully or accurately uh to represent david bowie or to represent people like david bowie yeah um i i yeah i just uh, maybe, I, maybe I found it more I, infuriating than anything yeah and and like i think we all have various degrees of of liking the musician but like just looking at it as a trailer it's like, it's just it's boring like there's awesome. nothing there's nothing creative about it i i also love david bowie and i'm like no movie about David Bowie should look boring. Yeah, for um, real. Yeah, yeah. The actor isn't supposed to look one one for one like the the person they're playing, especially in a biopic. But when I see um, Taron Egerton as Elton John, that's a young Elton John. Yeah. When I see Robin yeah. Malik, that's Freddie Mercury. When yeah. I see this guy, are you sure you're supposed to be David Bowie? You don't really look like David Bowie. I mean, I, once he gets the red hair, I would say, okay, I can kind of see the resemblance, but. I'd rather you be a better actor than look like the look like the I person. Mean, true, true. Be a better actor, but I mean, it's like the more I at first I was like, oh, cool, David Bowie biopic, and then this this pro, this should be good, and then as the more I watched, I'm like, this doesn't feel right. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, it, the the fact that the family is like, you know, he never wanted that made about him, and it's just like respect his wishes. Like already, yeah. I don't like you because you're not. You clearly don't respect him enough to respect his wishes. You felt you had to make this, so yeah, my, you. my final point would be, um, if you can't even use the dude's music in the movie you're making about him, maybe you shouldn't make the movie. Yeah, It's that simple. Grab control of Major Tom. Don't do the movie. Just yeah. stop. 
Songbird. <laughs> Another movie that was <laughs> what, a bunch of, what a bunch of shit. What a bunch of shit. Shitty wing for trailers. Brad, Bradley Whitford's in this one. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, liberal. I told him, hey man, liberals make mistakes too. There's a there's a solid there there are some like respectable actors in this, and I'm yeah. like, nah, but why <laughs> why would you make a movie about this while we are living it still? Who wants to go get pessimistic about the future right now I'm specifically sure. tied to covid they don't even I, change the name. They, say, they say covid 23 has mutated i'm like are you mcfrickin serious 23 it's, it's, now? it's supposed to be four years from our current moment it's it's no. supposed to be we just lived through four years of this and it got worse and worse. and like i don't even know what the movie's supposed to be trying to say it doesn't seem like there's any good message about it no. it's just like what if like police state about virus and i'm like i don't we live i don't want it that's not (laughs) i'm too depressed about this man this is like the most tone deaf like movie maybe like in recent memory ever made also also f you for like making all of these people go do this kind of shit in the midst of this pandemic to make this stupid movie yeah f you for that too there's a uh there's a movie that kevin sorbo did where it was I know what you're talking about. The, yeah, the Christian movie. Yeah, so there was a movie and Kevin Sorbo was in it and there was this action film about how Kevin Sorbo, there was a run on guns because the government banned all guns in the United States. So there was a run on guns and all the liberals are, are attacking the conservatives and the conservatives are running for their lives and they're trying to save their guns. That's a whole movie. I understand. What? I understand. has made a lot of bad Christian movies over the past 10 years. Yes, I understand what that movie is about. I understand what the movie is trying to say. I understand the point of view that the movie is trying to take. Wait. I don't understand what this movie is trying to do. Is it supposed to be pro or against? So Wait. here's the thing. I think the only value, the absolute only value there could be in making a movie about this while we are living it, that is supposed to be just down our road in the future of it, is if you are attempting to criticize the failures of this moment. And I do not see that. I don't see this being about how the working class has been failed by the country in the wake <clears throat> of the pandemic. And if that were what the movie was about, it's like we're representing the road we're headed down because of what they did. I'd be like, that's bold. Great. Yeah. That's the only reason this movie should exist. And I don't see any of that kind of thought behind it at all. Yeah. I just see cheap horror with, um, oh, you got a couple that's apart because of said pandemic, but they still grew up. And then neighbor gets sick. She's sheltering neighbor. And you you don't need to go through the whole trailer, Ben. What I see, Ben, that pisses me off is it's the working class blaming on and turning on the working class. Yep. That's it. And yeah. I'm like, what? I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't want it. I don't need it. Get the fuck out of here. It's, it's, I can't believe this is a real thing. I thought it almost looked like a joke trailer, like an SNL trailer without the jokes. Uh, Bradley Whitford is looking pretty good in his old age. Yeah. Vanguard. Vanguard. Which one was this again? Oh, this looks so bad and awesome at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) It's holding the gun as it's going on. Ah! Yeah. That'll burn your hand. When he he, he shoots the guy, why'd you shoot yourself? Yeah. um, Okay, when he did that, the first thing that came to my mind was that episode of South Park where Butters would keep shooting people in the dick. Oh yeah, the professor. The action scenes in this look like they are filmed terribly, but I'd watch it anyway. It looks like a good time, but like you know, like every once in a while, a bad good movie. Yeah, good for you, Jackie. That dude's like pushing seventy now, still making action movies. Like, oh my god, Freaky had a new trailer. Uh, Did it? (laughs) Did it? Because it was all the footage from the original trailer, save for two moments. I know. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, so no, it, it didn't. I'm and and it. honestly, that's fine because I didn't really want to see more of the movie. So whatever. Uh, still coming, still I coming to theaters and this month. Uh, it, it probably will. It's already been in a bunch of drive-ins for limited release. So yes, it will. Hell yeah. Uh, I keep forgetting drive-ins. It's not going to get postponed. They're just going to put it out. Yeah. Um, people will, will see it somehow. Uh, it looks good. The first trailer was better. Fuck this trailer. I thought it was bad. Go yeah. on. Man, yeah. dropping the F-bombs. We're not five. Uh, no, we're at way more. You guys dropped like four in the beginning of the episode. <laughs> I did two. You did two, and he did one, and he did one, and I did two. Max, Max, myself. Oh, I might have to. Might have to take this video down. I might get flagged. It's Brandon. As someone who's on YouTube literally all day, we are a hundred percent fine. Yeah, we don't. We don't. We our channel says we don't let kids watch, so yeah, it's whatever. We can literally do whatever we want with that. Yeah, also we didn't swear in the first minute, so we're good. Halloween yeah. Kills. I'm, I'm so glad we got a trailer for a movie that comes out in 12 months. I love it. I'm so surprised about these 30-second teasers, because is it the first one when it was first postponed, and then this one for probably to celebrate Halloween? Yeah, the movie's yeah. done. They're working on that second one. Like, uh, I'm glad, I'm like, hey, I'm glad it's coming out, but like, I'm, I didn't need, I don't need this. It's right. nice to see. It's a year away. Uh, the one thing I'll, I'll shout out is that because I watched Halloween so recently and close to it, I spot that in there, there's a shot that's exactly a recreation of the, there's a woman sitting in a car and his hand comes down right on the window is the exact same shot of his hand hitting the window when he steals the car at the beginning of the original. Nice. And I'm like, that's cool. Hmm. I last shatters the same way. It's I cool. will say it looks like, I don't. I don't mean to say like an, in an action movie way, but this looks like the most action-packed one. Where like it looks like they're hunting him. Yeah, it looks like the town rebelling against the idea That's awesome. of Michael Myers. Like like they're after like they're the stalkers, but he's like killing people as running away or something. I have a question. Um, so this is so this is a year later, the next Halloween. Yeah. You mean in canon like timelines? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I guess I guess does what happens to him then? Oh yeah, let him burn, let him burn. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh yeah, maybe he gets like like. Put in like cryo. I wonder if like they're trying to rally the town for a year to get ready. Oh my god, it's just it's <laughs> a first. Or they or they go to Lori's house and they find like some the bars were bent after they left and he got out. Lori's house, Mulan training sequence. Ben, Lori's house is is burnt. It's it's ashes. Yeah, but then they go to get the body and they find the body's not there. Get yeah, the the. Yeah. Okay. I want a town training sequence like Mulan, and they're all getting ready. <laughs> I picture I picture a lot of like Jaws discourse where it's like the shark's gonna come back next Fourth of July and they're like I don't believe you man oh that actually <laughs> sharks don't do that yeah the midnight sharks sky the midnight sky this looks George Clooney yeah. right oh I love space shit um yeah this looks like like a, a space Last of Us I gotta go somewhere with my with my little girl yeah I'm excited for this this uh, looks really good I trust George Clooney uh, uh Megan said it uh, the best uh that dude's got so much money uh, he could pick his projects uh and this looks like looks awesome yeah. Yeah, he's directing it. He's uh, acting in it. Oh, um, sweet. Yeah. Looks good. I like the cast. Yeah. Me too. I I got same thing. Looks good. Onyx Equinox. Holy shit, guys. I want to watch this right now. I want to watch it right now. This is the coolest. This is like, I am so into this. Yeah, you immediately made me want to watch Blood of Zeus. I'm like, right, anime's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Visuals of this I've been excited about for a while. Uh, I'm pumped for this to come. I will say... Uh, this does, from this trailer, this does feel to me like it's running the, what I've kind of felt as the gambit so far with the Crunchyroll uh, original animes. The dub voices are not always great. Yeah. Um, I felt this with uh, Tower of God. 
Um, and I feel it. Uh, I felt it with God of High School. I've looked at both of the dubs for those. And will there be the a same. Tower of God, God of High School crossover? No, God no. God now. <laughs> Tower of Gods. Tower of Gods world at least makes sense in its own abstract sense. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm a little nervous about the dub because I've watched both of those previous shows, the Crunchyroll originals. I decided to opt for the sub because I thought they were both superior. So uh, we'll see how this one goes because I'm not loving the dub cast 100% on this. They don't sound entirely like they match their characters. Yeah. But we'll see. I've, Otherwise, the visuals, of course, I'm sold on this story and this visual. Yeah, I think... Uh, these these god creatures look incredible. Yeah, I've been... This is like a, like a one-of-a-kind-looking mm-hmm. anime. And yeah. again, like like having like like mind culture behind it like it's just a unique flavor that uh, you don't get to see uh and then like giant kaiju monsters like man this looks so cool can't wait agreed and then finally uh, we got our first look at godzilla singular point the new netflix anime series i'm so mixed all i saw was jet jaguar yeah i got so excited jet jaguar i love him he's so dumb as anger is is in this one yeah and what who i'm hoping is not rodan that's that's what the first one or the second one because they're two different things the first no the second one okay yeah the second one i don't think is rodan but the first, first one, one is rodan i think that first one's rodan that's a shit design for rodan kind of ugly i mean it looks, like a giant, it's, it looks like a quetzalcoatl list that's what it looks it, like they're yeah. changing they're changing uh a lot of the monster designs you saw anguirus yeah. yeah but anguirus at least looks like an armadillo yeah i mean the first the first shot of rodan when he's flying over that looks fine yeah he has, he has the beak I'm not on board with some of the redesigns. I'm on board with the others. With yeah. others, um, you are on board with the Jaguar. That's like teeth mustache. I love it. I didn't recognize that monster. No, I'm saying Godzilla does. Oh no! But there's a monster in this one, the blue one. I think it might be new. There are new ones. There's yeah. there's definitely... Oh, it might be Baragon. Oh, Baragon. It yeah, could the, be. The, the, ah. could uh, be yeah. I think I think that uh, the tail that flips out of the water too is hinting at Manda. Manda too. Uh, uh, I'm. I wish that the creatures were a little less 3D CGI than they are, yeah. but I can live with it. The designs are cool, so I. I'm. I, but I'm like, ah, I hate when 2D and 3D clash like that. I, I yeah, yeah. Because it, it it weirdly makes me feel like they're not in the same space. Um, well, also, and I, hope, and I hope I'll get over that. But yeah, we talked about it with like Godzilla, the Godzilla Earth trilogy. The idea that you know Godzilla's always been a lumbering kind of monster. Um, and he is in this in his first anime, Godzilla, uh, Planet Planet of the Monsters. And if I remember correctly, Ryan made the case that he's always that way. So why were we surprised that he is that way in, in the anime? And Sparks and I were made the case, the idea that like and I still feel this way. If you're doing an anime, why does he still have to be a lumbering a lumbering creature? Why can't he be something more dynamic? Right. Sure. Um, and that's what I'm kind of worried with the 3D animation for the monsters. Sure. Because you're worried that they'll still be lumbering and clunky? Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, I don't think so. Just because, like, other anime that I've seen use this kind of blend, not the the poly, not the other Godzilla anime, but this kind of blend of 3D, and it's it tends to still be dynamic. It, uh, what what I don't like about it is the visual clash. Mm. It's not that it doesn't, like, move well. It's that the, the, the two feel like they're uh, fighting against the space. Because like Anastasia, like Anastasia's locket in the movie Anastasia. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's just a little jarring to watch the two occupy the same space. Um, sure. But it, it might, it might be one of those things because I've had this happen with with other anime that have done this. It might be one of those things where you watch it for a little while and then your eyes just adjust and there it is. Um, but we'll see. 
I just, I just, I love Jet Jaguar so I, much. I he's, love it. He's a hero to all the children. He's a big robot. He goes this small. is very. This what was really exciting is that from the music uh, to the monsters, this is very Showa inspired. Yes, it yeah. is. And the other thing that I'll say about it is that I'm already 100% more on board with this than the other one because this seems inventive beyond just story. Whereas mm-hmm. the other Godzilla anime, the story sounded inventive, but everything else was kind of lackluster. Yeah. yeah, this seems inventive top to bottom. Like they're just they're they're doing things that have never been done with Godzilla before. And I'm like, this is exactly where you play that kind of that kind of game. It's in comics and anime where you go this hard. Word. Yeah. Um, okay, that's it. Uh, so full spoilers for the new Netflix movie, His House. Go watch His House. Go watch it. Weekend. Hey guys, what's the best new horror movie of 2020 and why is it his house? It's it's because it's his house. Yeah, it's pretty good. I liked it. I loved it. I also loved it. I love I loved it so much. Ben? I loved it. Yeah, there's some really good spooky shit. That's some good spooky shit. Emotional horror is the best horror. Uh yeah. yeah. 100%. You're engaged lot with uh, with the bad boys and the good girls. You're engaged with everyone. It all makes sense. I love it. Oh, Max says, okay. Yeah, go watch it, Max. Okay. Just plug <laughs> your ears while listening to us and just watch it on your other TV, but don't turn off this link. Uh, well, we already got his view. It doesn't matter. Oh, Ooh, it matters, Mag. It matters. <laughs> it matters, bro. Watch your view, Mag. It maggers? It maggers? I'll allow it. I'll take it. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're going to start. We'll start with the beginning. Uh, we get a we get a series of events of them escaping their homeland to yes. get asylum in Britain. Uh, I just I just want to uh, just so we address them by names and everything. We are talking about Ray Real, Real? is the female lead Paul? played by Wunmi Mosaku, Mosaku. Uh, uh, Ball is the male lead played by um, I'm pretty sure Soap Dirisu. Okay. I thought and, it was uh, Paul, but it's Ball. It's Ball. Mm. Uh, and uh, okay, cool. Yeah, so we'll go. We'll go forward with that. I just wanted to get that Real and Ball right out there. Real and Ball. I was gonna call uh, him Paul. So thank you. Real, uh, uh, me from Lovecraft Country. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay, so yeah, so they escape their homeland to go to f- seek asylum in America, and something happens along the way. Not America, not America. They're in England. Britain. England. Yes. Britain. Very Matt Smith. Very different uh, reception there. Oh yeah. Not not one hundred percent different, but but different. Mm-hmm. I uh, I like this movie a lot because um, when I watch a haunted house movie with a bunch of rich white people and there's a ghost encounter, they don't leave. They they have no reason they have no reason to stay except for the plot demands that they stay. Um, when I see these characters and I see the situation that they arrive from and they encounter some some spooky, um, there's nothing that a ghost could do that's scarier than what they went through in real life. Um, so I found this whole movie, I found it engaging. I found that the fact that they talk about ghost stuff in the first third of the movie, really, uh, really unique. And they just like, yo, this is a ghost. We're being haunted. We have to deal with it. I love that so much. Also, uh, their situation supplying for the fact that like, it matters that they need to stay in that house. It matters that they need to not destroy that house. Um, and that, that adds a lot of emotional stake. It's the, uh, it's the thing that James Wan and Lee Winnell, uh, kind of, kind of, radically did in, in, in American horror insidious was one of the first horror movies where something bad happened in the house and they moved right away. Yeah. Right. And it follows them. Right. And then it followed yeah. them as it was the kid, not the house. Yeah. yeah. 
even Sinister is a movie about how the characters keep moving and that's what the monster wants. Yeah, I think what we get from this movie is if they move, they would also follow them because it's not the house, yes. house yeah. that's haunted. It's them dealing with their own. It's him. It's him yeah. dealing with some serious yeah. trauma that he went through. A, 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 a Peth. A Peth. Yeah. A witch. Um, a night witch who had some awesome spooky eyeballs. When oh. there was a moment in the movie and I was kind of tense throughout most of the movie. I found it pretty scary. Um, and, and I'm sitting there and then the peach thing happened and the peach rolls and you just hear, you just hear, come. And I was like, nope. Yeah, <laughs> I just paused it. I was first like, nope. hear the the whispering, and then uh, uh, Ball looks over and he sees that that dark corner. I'm just saying, it's always the freaking darkest corner of the room with no light shining through, and it's in the middle of the day. That's the worst part. Like the, the sun shining through the window, but the corner is still completely dark. The yeah. bit where uh, he pulls out the doll uh, after after you see the thing walking from behind him, and he pulls out the doll, and then something grabs the doll, and you're like, you know what, you can keep it. The the way that that it turns electrical wire to, to rope. rope to rope with seaweed to seaweed yeah, <laughs> yeah. in, oh in my terms gosh. of of because jump scares don't usually work for me because I find them kind of cheap I found this movie to be really actually scary at times because specifically with the rope scene you expect something to happen and it does something there's really something different. behind him yeah there's something behind them so you don't expect the thing to happen in front of you and there's there are some really good jump scares and some really good. Just, just atmospheric moments where, like, he's sitting with a candle and just, like, the, 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 the darkness surrounds him and the eyes come forward. And it's like, this is a pretty low-budget movie, but it does surprisingly some really great atmospheric shit. Yeah. It, was, it was about the point where he confronts the witch that the movie stopped being scary, stopped being, like, terrifying for me yeah. and started being just kind of spooky, yeah. uh, which I don't think is a bad thing because it showcases a shift in, a shift in tone of the film that I think works. Yes, um, I do too. Are, are you talking about when it's at the fire? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a really important and well-handled turn where he, he challenges it directly and he goes, oh, you can't hurt me. You can't touch me pictures won't hurt me do what you want we're not leaving this is our home yeah. and it's like oh pictures won't get you huh and then makes his own hands make him Dude, watch some, like behind. horrifying yeah that was cool like, that was a cool good yes the, I, the I part it, where he's really like it. trying to close his eyes and his and then another like dr strange hand arms they put his arms behind they force his own head to look straight at straight at what uh what was the, what was he looking at was he looking at a zombie coming from the water the young girl come yeah. up out of the water and an octopus come out of her mouth. Oh yeah, uh, that was gross. Well, what are the, the images? The imagery in this sequence that I liked a lot was when um, in the in the you see the fire and then you just see the eyes. The eyes, yeah, part of the face occasionally, but yeah. not a lot. Yeah, I thought that was really engaging. And again, mm -hmm. I love that like uh, there's no beating around the bush. Like we get introduced to like yo, we're being haunted like really quickly, and then it's like they've accepted their their fate and what they're doing. You and know, so uh, or, one. One. one accepted. Sorry, yes, one person. Um, um, Rayal has accepted it. And again, this is a situation that's so different from horror movies. She's the one seeing all the ghosts, and she's totally cool with it. And she's chill about it. She's accepted it. God, the scene where she flat out, like, he walks into the kitchen hearing her talking, and she's just looking across the table, and someone looks at him. Yeah. And, like, he knows, and she knows there was a person in the chair a second ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and then later at dinner, she's just like, you don't want to know what they say to me? And it's like, she's just flat out like, I'm embracing this man. Like, yeah. you want to talk <laughs> about this? Or do you want to pretend it's not happening? Horror movies so Because, yo, bro, you haunted. Yeah, we're, horror movies so rarely just, like, accept that. And we're just like, this is the world we live in, and we're going to deal with it. And it's like, the witch, the witch character, like, is a real thing that she really kills. Like, that's 
I, it, so many of these movies just like don't go for it, and I and I love this movie. It's like it's like a it's a pale witch monster, and she just slipped its throat. Like I, I commend its its bravery just to show something stupid like that. I I, I always have an issue. There's a there's very there are a few things that I that I claim are are are, are to me to be bone chillingly terrifying, but I'm a scaredy cat, so I'll admit. Um, but there are there are a few things that that will just chill me to my bone, and one of them is you turn off the lights and the thing is there. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I hate that. Oh, there's yeah. a lot of that. <laughs> there's a lot of that in this movie. That's why I didn't go see Lights Out. Um, I even personally wrote a horror movie about, uh, wrote a horror short story uh, about that uh, very thing. Um, and I've always just found that to be just most, because I need the nightlight, but I can't sleep with the nightlight. Just going to put that out there. The twist on that sequence where the girl Jesus, the girl on to save him for a moment and then turns them back off. Yeah. And they're all around him. That's so good. I, I it's so good. No, one of the parts I love about that scene is that because even Fanny and I were like, turn the lights on, turn the lights on, but then you still see the footprints. That's so they're good. still there. But yeah, yeah. Just, I was like, this is some like I, I to me it felt oh god. I know Sparks has got a rail me for making a connection to the video game, but it feels like there's a video rail you. You know what I mean? Do I? There, there's a part I know. There's I forget the game, but there's a part where if the lights are on or if something is on, then you can't hurt an enemy. But if the lights are off, then you can shoot them. It's called Alan Wake, and it's created by the uh, the uh, Remedy who made Control, baby. There you go. Um, Brandon, uh, one of my like, ooh, you get me, you get me good uh, with it in horror movies is hearing the sound of approaching running and not seeing the thing. And that's one that really gets me. And this movie uses that effect really well too. Some of the, like the best I've, cause yeah, not many, I don't think many horror people rely on that. And like, on like, no, it's like the scariest idea. But in like, my yeah, mind. Um, it's almost like a Scooby-Doo scene where like, she's like running across hallways and then like, she's in a different hallway and runs across. And it's like, man, it's, it's frightening. And like you, in the audio sounds like she's right here, but then she's over here. I'm like, it's just good filmmaking, yeah, yeah. man. You know where the part that I hated, but I also really liked it's when um, Rial was sitting in the chair. She looks at the wall after uh, oh. uh, destroys the walls, but all the faces, all the eyes, yeah, are staring out. Just yeah, because they gave her they gave her back the the bracelet. Yeah, the yeah. necklace. And it's uh, just like it back out, like we got it for you, and they're just watching. I'm, I'm, they're just staring right at her. I'm like, at that point, it's like, give me my super shotgun. I'm going to go full Doomater on their asses. <laughs> My uh, my my favorite shot in the entire movie is is after is during that dinner scene. Um, and and Ball Ball mm. closes his eyes right, and and the, and then he opens or he opens it, and it just starts zooming out, and he realizes that uh, Rayel's not there. But then he keeps zooming out, and he realizes he's in the ocean again. And it keeps zooming out, and it's like a sunset, and he's in his apartment, cut out in the ocean. And it's one of the most beautiful things I've seen this year in a movie. It's it like really it's cool. so haunting because that's all he thinks about is the sad shit he went through, and he can't escape it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do want to touch on like I think that the film is so good because it captures uh, first off it's super cool that this movie is about refugees escaping South Sudan and that's the motivation that's what they're going through and it's the the trauma that is following them um, that ball wants to pretend that they've moved past it and ignore it and and like uh, this is fine this is our home this I'm gonna assimilate I'm gonna make this 100% work. Uh, and Real is not there. Yeah. Uh, not there at all. Uh, and definitely, like, once she catches on, is just like, no, no, we gotta, like, acknowledge what's happening and, and uh, uh, 
tuned to it appropriate, appropriately. And he's like, no, nope, nope, nope. Uh, it does a great job of referencing his trauma um, when something hits the window of the building. And it's supposed to be kind of like a jump scare. But really what's scary about it is the way it creates the sounds of what he remembers and mm -hmm. he's fighting it back. Um, I think they handle all that stuff really, really well. Uh, when she is, I think honestly, one of my favorite parts of the film is when she's trying to follow that map and she's just walking around the neighborhood because it's not really inherently anything spooky. Sure. There's the kid with the ball, yeah. but beyond that, it's just creating this sense of like being somewhere you're not familiar with feeling alone, feeling isolated, feeling ostracized mm -hmm. as the other, even by other black people. Yeah. Uh, and uh, treating you still as foreigner, treating you as other, making fun of you, brutal. Uh, and uh, I think I think she kills those scenes. That and the following scene with the doctor. Yeah, One I think Smith is in the movie. He's in the movie for only a couple minutes, but I think he's really good. He's in a few scenes. He's in like three or four scenes. Yeah, um, I think he's he's pretty effective, and he's like a guy who he has a great line where he's like, "Listen, like we we don't we don't we end up where we don't expect. You just got to do the you got to make the yeah, best." He of used it. to he also used to be a banker, and then like those Ball. jobs went abroad yeah and um, uh, yeah he just seems he seems like an actual good guy who wants to help people and these people are going through some, some shit and he's just like listen i'm trying to give you everything i'm trying to help you guys you have he's a bigger like, house than like i, I have to tell you how this will look to them yeah uh, i'm trying to help you as much as i can but like you got to tell me what's going on and but he never gets too white savory no yeah it feels like realistic yeah yeah, yeah. Um, like just i i know the system sucks but i also do this every day yeah mm -hmm. yeah uh, one of the scenes that surprised me um, that in a good way was when uh, Ball's walking down the street and he, I think it was, I forgot where he was coming from. He was walking oh, down the street, he passed yeah, by the church and then the guy, because normally in movies and even in real life, if someone whistles at you first, that means they have some pretty bad intentions. And, and the second he says, are you one of them refugees? I'm thinking, oh no, no, uh, we're not going this way. And then the court Next thing you know, he's looking at a box full of stuff, and he's watching a, a football game, and they're singing songs, and they're like, "Yeah, he's learning the songs. This is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. here's a point." Yeah, he's very excited about the assimilation. He has that same moment that we have as an audience because after the guy goes back in, he like steps back, like he thinks he needs to leave. Uh, and yeah, it's it's really cool that that turns out great because you're like, "That's a really nice thing. That's a really nice like." It, it's not all uh, constantly anti refugee anti-foreigner uh atmosphere yeah. around them and i thought that woman is in there yeah because after the scene with uh real and then even later on with that with the the crazy cat lady that's what fan and i call her well she's like why don't you just leave it's like yeah. oh are we just gonna, are, are all the other people besides uh matt smith and the guy they work for just gonna be racist a-holes because we get yeah. that enough here in america and i like are we going that direction but to see that church scene and he's in a room with a bunch of people watching a football game. I'm like, thank you. Thank you for yeah. it. And one other thing I've been wanting to say about this movie is that a lot of horror movies, um, especially ones with emotional horror like this one, I feel they don't end well for the main characters. Whereas one of them dies, both of them die, or some, or they lose everything. One of those things normally happens. But, and to see once we get to the end of this, of jumping ahead a little bit, with them actually with the walls fixed, Rial saying she's thinking about painting the room red, both of them holding hands and they're going through this like this is our home. It made me happy because. Well, it's also I, it's kind I of ambiguous. 
it's kind of ambiguous that whether or not they're going to stay there or not because they still trash the place. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think they ex- they intend to live there. I mean, if, Mark's, they, if they get to, is it Mark story? as representative yeah. is, is impressed with them, and he's like, I mean, they they fixed up the holes and everything. So like, except there's clearly still a hole in the floor that the rug's yeah. over. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, before we delve too far down that, I do want to say real quick, seriously, guys, if if you're listening to this and you haven't watched the movie, bail right now. Bail out, leave. Because uh, we're going to spoil the most important thing about it right oh, now. Yeah, uh, which is, to me, the most horrifying things about the movie, the most horrifying part, is the part where we see the past. Where Rial yeah. comes out of the, the little cabinet yeah. and sees all of her friends dead. Yeah. And is taken by Ball through the streets and they're hiding on top of the building. And the people are walking by just trying to make their way to a way to escape. Yeah. With one man just walking as he burns. And, uh, and then getting to the bus and deciding oh, if we lie and say this is our daughter, we'll get on board. Her mom doesn't seem to be here. Maybe she's alone, but her mom is there and she's screaming out to her daughter as that bus goes away. Yeah. Holy the, shit, the whole movie turned around dude, on me. Yeah, uh, up until this point, where we think, you know, this is their kid. We think they lost, they lost their daughter. But yeah. it both stole some some mom's some, and, and some it's daughter because, and it's because real we think real is psych, uh, psychologically sound up to that point we realize she's also a little broken yeah she has interpreted that as a loss of her actual daughter yeah and then she has to face the traumatizing realization oh that's what we did yeah and then mm-hmm. on top of the fact after that the daughter dies also or the, the little the girl dies and bull doesn't save her he saves his wife oh, instead God. and yeah. it's just like up until this point, like Bull was pretty cool, and I'm like, oh, oh boy, now I can understand why. Because when we when we learn about the, that's why I love that part in the movie so much. Because when when we learn about the Apath, the wit, the Night Witch, and um, Rial tells a story about the thief who in who steals stuff by the river, and it's like, oh, so what did Bal steal? What did he yeah. take? And then the one the witch is like, you stole a life that wasn't your own. I'm like. Well, did he push someone overboard to save his own skin? And then yeah, when yeah. he stole someone's daughter and still lets that daughter die in the process of them escaping to, to England, I'm like, that's why. Because yeah. for, I mean, as much as I was liking the movie, because when I first saw the trailer, I'm like, oh, this is all must be like a, a creepy haunted house. But it's like, oh no, this guy's been looking for him. Yeah, this, this is a creepy haunted people. <laughs> yeah, this is this, that dude, ball, that he is straight up being targeted. Yeah, yeah. Now is like, oh, she's like an unfortunate bystander at this point with some I, uh, emotional baggage. The the the, the effect of well, maybe um, a lot of emotional baggage because uh, she. Oh, no, because okay. I was remember the scene when she's when she gets out into the school into that schoolyard. I think it's a schoolyard, and then all of her friends. Well, I'm assuming her friends come hug her, and then finally she's like, "Where's my daughter?" And they go, "Who." Ooh. That man, that's, oh my God. that scene is so spooky. And there's that one, oh there's that God. one like older lady who doesn't speak, but she just like stares at the camera, haunting. Like she's dude. like she is the friendly representation of the witch because the witch is not actually after her. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and she's accepted because she says, "I know who you are." Uh, oh and man! And she passes the knife like we we, we oh, want we want to skin. Uh, but the imagery of of the witch putting his hand into Bull's hand and like making his skin his skin, almost like a Men in Black horrifying my man like this is truly like not many not many horror movies actually make me feel a like oh god like 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 i'm in the shit and like this is this is so this is one of the most affecting horror movies i've seen in a long time yeah truly uh i appreciated so much that they give real a scene where we realize where everything changes and we realize oh 
she's carrying trauma too. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. carrying trauma because she's also been blocking something, ignoring something, and it's the truth. Yeah. And uh, that is really powerful because up to that point, it feels like one is sound and one isn't. And it's like, oh no, they're both really like, this is about trauma. This is yeah. about what they've gone through. This two is about them. Two different sides of it. Yeah. Two different sides of it as these refugees who have come here. And I really to Ben's point, really love the resolution because it's not just that it's the, the, the like happy ending stuff of like, mm-hmm. it looks like they'll make it. This is their home. They, they, pro- mm-hmm. they got it together. They have a chance. It's uh, it's that they, that moment where ball says, you know, you live with your ghosts, you carry them with you. They're yeah. always there and they're mm-hmm. carrying the trauma of what they escaped with them. And you see that with all the people in the house with them that other oh people God. can't see. And I'm like, and damn in the score crush this also the music like the score is pretty good but like this final scene like where it shows just them and then it shows a flash of all the people shows back there with all the people and the score is just like haunting i'm like this is man this is good please more people need to watch this movie man yeah it's unfortunate because netflix releases like a thousand movies a day and one of the top netflix films of the month is it really it was number 10 good it was number 10 in the top 10 hell yeah um it's there it's it's in the top 10 but it's unfortunately the last slot Good, good enough for me. I loved this movie. Um, I'm, I was so glad to see this. I thought this was done really well. I thought this, uh, what a refreshing thing and really nice it was to have something that brings so much good, like good, not like it's a good, but like good attention to what refugees go through yeah. and spotlights that and then interprets through horror, black horror, no less, uh, their pain so that we can empathize with it so that other more people can understand it uh this movie couldn't be made in america today no which is sad but uh they would never allow it but like i think this is this is really powerful and really good i want to say um and it really shows how like cold and and harsh that world has to be when you have to live uh in that decision of abandoning your home and and going to these places where you are uh you are in in many ways unwelcome um uh that that scene where they god the acting is so good in this but uh the scene where they've got the the three people at the tables who are judging their their file and say like you know you're being let out of detention on bail but it's not a you're you're a citizen yet. Yeah, it's yeah. not that but ball's reaction before they clarify that and his just like relief he always laughs so, when he's happy oh breaking yeah. oh my gosh and uh, just the, the pure stone-faced bureaucracy of it all yeah where, where they're like yes if you understand where and when he's trying to say oh we're good people is like yes if you understand like dude i don't give a shit if you don't answer this question i'll put you back in the slammer i don't care uh this is the director's uh directorial debut they've only done shorts before this this oh, is wow. one of the best uh, uh debuts for a movie maybe like ever like this is so good chops Ch- good just chops all around Mm-hmm. I really, really love this. I thought uh, it was well written, well paced, well visualized, well well performed. I uh, man, holy you blew me yeah. blew me away. You get to the good dude. You to, you get to the spooky stuff right at the get go. Yeah, yeah. twenty minutes into the movie, you get the first. Um, you get like the, the ghost voice. Yeah, nope. <laughs> <laughs> that's when Brian's like, nope. Uh, okay, so let's rate it, Sparks. I gotta give it a nine point five. I'm sure that there are there's something I could probably find where I'm like, ooh, this or this. If I were being nitpicky or yeah. I were breaking it down, I'd have to like deeper analyze it. But I really was just enamored with this. I thought that it was evocative, uh, emotional. I I felt so 
uh, engaged with these characters and uh, empathetic towards the entire situation and horrified uh, both by the the images that would scare me in the way that horror movies can scare me, but really horrified by like just, you know, you know, but you don't know and you still don't really know, but you kind of see uh, what they're going through and it's awful. And uh, man, what a movie. Uh, yeah, 9.5. Right. Uh, I'm going to give it a 10. Uh, this is one of my favorite movies of the year. Uh, I I don't know if there's much that I could nitpick because it's only an hour and a half. Yeah. It's tight. Yeah. There's no yeah. there's no fat. This is a skinny ass movie. Uh, yeah, I give it a ten. I love I love it. I love it. Yeah, I I would also give it a nine point five. I think there were some parts I remember that I didn't like. Maybe some scenes with Matt Smith where I felt they just paused for too long, or I don't know. There are parts about it was mostly Matt Smith's performance where I'm, where I'm just like, hmm, okay. But besides that, they're so minuscule. I can't even remember because I'm only remembering all the great things about this movie, all the horrifying images, all the twists and turns it takes, and it takes, and how yeah, like uh, Ryan says, how tight this movie is. So yeah, it's a nine point five. I mean, if I rewatch it, I could probably get a few nitpicks here and there. But besides that, I got nothing. I'm sitting here thinking about it. And I'm changing it to a ten. I'm like, you know what? I don't even like. It's too good. My gut's telling me a seven point five. Yeah? Whoa. yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I don't love it. You were kind of quiet. Yeah, you're yeah. Fe- you're feeling lower on it. Do you want to expand on any of those ideas? I have no no words to defend myself. I can only go with my gut. Well, it's not about defending oh. yourself. I just want to know what like did something not work for you? I guess I don't know what it is. Just the whole movie. Just I liked it. I really liked it. I just don't love it. It just didn't get to okay. the. It just didn't elevate for me for whatever reason. Okay, I can understand that. Still a good score, though. Yeah. Um, all right, so that'll do it then. Hey, welcome to the Fake Nerd Comic Book Store. Can I help you find anything today? Yeah, hi. Um, do you have any books? Can you be more specific? Um, anything readable? So it is time now for our book club series, and we decided to do Dark Horse's first ever Gamera comic book series. What? This is a brand new podcast. Goodbye. <laughs> um, no, no. Uh, I did not pick that one. I picked Predator. Let's say Con- <laughs> uh, I, I picked Predator Concrete Jungle, which is collected in this uh, beautiful hardcover uh, with the other Predator stories that Barbara Hayden did. Um, this is the first Dark Horse Predator comic written by Mark Verhayden with Chris Warner and Ron Randall. Uh, inked by Sam De La- Sam De La Rosa, Randy Emberlin, Chris Warner, and Ron Randall. Colored by Chris uh, Shalinor, lettered by David Jackson and Jim Massara. Hell yeah! So yeah, so this is the sequel. Before there was a Predator Two, there was this. This is the sequel to Predator. Uh, this became Predator Two. Also, um, uh, he talks about it in the back of the book. Yeah, hmm? in some ways, yeah. He talked about it in the back of the book that they that he actually did talk to the Predator 2 scriptwriting team when they were getting to going because initially they wanted to adapt it uh, verbatim. I was gonna and, say it's it's I mean it's not that movie, but there yeah. I was surprised how similar a lot of it was. Like they very clearly were inspired by it. Yeah, Alien vs. Predator and Predator and Predator Two were inspired by the comics that came before them. Paul W. Sanderson, who directed Alien vs. Predator, um, which we forgot to mention when we were talking about it with Event Horizon. Um, not one of his best movies but he talked about 
how much he liked the Alien Predator and Alien vs Predator comic book so much yeah. that he that there's a character name mark for Hayden in the in the movie. Oh, I love it. I like Alien vs Predator a lot. I do too. That's Black Lady teams up with a Predator to fight a queen alien. That's pretty. Oh that's yeah, that's like Ten minutes of a whole movie. I like that. I think movie. I think yeah. Paul W. Sanderson has done uh, three, maybe four good movies. Personally, not only that, she gets a really cool alien uh, Predator scar that makes her friends with all the other with all the Predators of that clan. It's so dope. Um, okay, so what do we think about the Concrete Jungle? Uh, just like uh, the Alien sequel, uh, this is better than Predator Two by a mile. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is not as good as that last book club, but this is a hell of a d- dope ass Predator book. I mean, like, I, I, and I thought about it, and I'm like, you know, it, it kind of works with the genre. Like, Predator's not as dense a thing piece as Alien usually will be. Not at all. N- not every Alien film, but most of them. Uh, so I was, I found this like a, a breezier take because it's much more action film style than yeah. than Alien than and, and Mark Berryden's uh, Alien work was. But what I do really like is I feel like the entire idea of gang war waged across the city is done better here than it was in predator 2 100 i i feel the like predator 2 i feel the atmosphere of what the city is supposed to be like how tense it is in the opening few minutes but i don't really feel it after that point yeah this i feel it throughout i yeah i uh i i, I thoroughly enjoyed this book um i was surprised how good the transition from making kind of like a like sci-fi horror book to just a straight yo this is an action-ass book um, how well like it translates, and he's a good writer, and like he's much more quippy and like one-linery in this. Um, I think it all works. I think I think the reveal of like, oh, this is Dutch's brother, is really cool, which probably plays in the other books. I'm assuming um, even more. I I I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, he's in he's in both of the. Okay, the I didn't sequels. I didn't flip through the rest of it, but yeah, I assume he's, he's in, in it. he's in both of them. Um, as far as I know, unlike Ripley, they never used Schwarzenegger. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, he you know, died. When they mentioned Dutch in the in the book, I my first thought was like, "Is that supposed to be our Schwarzenegger's yeah, brother?" Yeah, that's Schwarzenegger. Okay, good. It's been a while since I last saw Predator, so bear with me. Yeah, yeah. so this is Schwarzenegger's brother. Yeah, that's Schaefer is Dutch's brother. Yeah, uh, that's why they go back to the jungle and they see where he was killed, where he blew up with the Predator and everything. Mm-hmm. I did when I started it. I'm like, really. He's Dutch's brother. Yeah, that's a little hokey, guys. Come on. I like that. The, uh, I like the full turnaround, though. But it, but it came around on me. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, it's weird. It's weird. Does the comic say that that Dutch died? Because uh, in the movie, he doesn't. Yeah, in the movie, he doesn't die. He doesn't die in the movie. No, no, he's rescued. Okay, rescued. Yeah. Oh, okay. In the Predator video game, he actually never got rescued, and he's he's been living in the jungle for. They do years. imply they don't say that he died in the comic, but they imply it, and I honestly just believed that. Yeah, I think sure. it's because right. uh, they imply they imply that like he went on the mission, like the general who knew who would have known about him flying out of there. Phillips. Once you once you've been covering up enough Predator shit, yeah. and the guy finds out about it, why would you still cover up where Dutch is? Um, he he says that Dutch never came back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it is kind of implied, and then I just—I guess I rewrote that in my brain that he died at the end. I think too. it's just its own kind. Well, I figured that I figured the crater that they saw was actually the crater when the ship fell, because they said there's a—they a, said something about. No, that's where the nuke goes off. The predator self-destructing wrist bomb. Oh, because okay. what they're saying is like, oh, if all the predators come into the city and do that, that's the threat they're afraid of—that they'll all come in and nuke do that and level the city. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, it is kind of implied that Dutch is dead in this in this there's, version of the story, which I assumed was true. There's another implication that no, the guy says it: the predators uh, made the dinosaurs go extinct. I love that idea. Yeah, that they hunted them to death. 
I love that they've been just like they've been coming for millions of years, and now we can fight that back. I love the idea. Like it, it kind of does have to be in its own way a different continuity from Predator because like there's no way they just learned of it when Dutch went to Central America. Yeah, uh, that they're like, yeah, you just kind of live with this. Um, we just kind of like, uh, you know, keep our heads down. You don't get in the way too much. I, don't get yeah. on their ass. And it's like it used to be fine because they would stay out of the United States, but now it's getting hotter up here, so they're moving north. Uh, Sons of bitches. Warming. Yeah, uh, I. I cannot tell you how much I love the idea of the government just allowing the hunts to happen so a full-scale war doesn't happen. I cannot tell you how much I love that idea because once, uh, once, uh, what's his name, Schaefer? Once Schaefer kills a predator, like, do you have any idea what you've just done? Yeah. And I'm like, and then the invasion happens. And I think that is, that was, that, I want that to be a predator sequel. Again, I love I love the predator, the his partner putting on the predator helmet and just seeing the hidden the shapes invasions. above the city and he and just like waiting and he's like, oh shit! Oh, <laughs> I've been, uh, I've been, I've been looking for it. Yeah. yeah. Oh god, I love it. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. Uh, the the predator, the predators look great, and there's so many shots of the predators like using English wording surrounded by their alien wording, and mm-hmm. I just find that it's so awesome. Like, um, there's a, there's a shot of the predator. Uh, reciting mother of god to someone who, who he has killed and i that is so good it's so real sweet. quick real quick fun fact that i just found out and uh, i texted ben when i found this out peter cullen optimus prime himself is the voice of the predator in the first predator movie he does the he, he does the, the 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 clicking and the uh and the voice when he does the you know when he when he, when he talks yeah, yeah. Um, also, the the uh, want some candy line is in this is in this book. <laughs> yes, it but it is uh, at least referencing like it didn't come out of nowhere. It's yeah. like some other guy says that line. I love somewhere. it. Yeah. The predators look so. I think the action is really really good. Yeah, um, I love that the predators look so good. Uh, specifically, like when they're armored up. Yeah, man. Yeah, they look so especially in these oversized books, dude. Like they look so menacing and so good. Yeah, it's uh, the 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 mother of God. Yeah, flash. that's what I'm God, I love it. Yeah. And there's like a of them behind him. Yeah. And also the first one when he when he first like really appears to Schaefer. Yeah, he gets his ass kicked. Um yeah, yeah I love the gang warfare and like the gangs have to team up and there's that one bad guy who's who just like keeps escaping the cops and they team up. Um yeah, this is just really fun. Like again, I wish I wish this was a predator too. Like it's so fun. Yeah. I, I love that like the way it all starts is that Schaefer catches on that like the predator is just going around and hunting in the city and skinning like gang members oh, yeah. and, and people on subways and shit. Uh, I'm like that's a, pretty dope. I love the line. Let's see. Um, let's see. There's a lot yeah. of allusion to uh, war, the War of the Worlds, including yeah. a very similar ending when it when it starts to rain and the predator's like, "Guess we'll leave." Yeah, yeah. Because uh, because they realize like this is a this is no longer a hunt. That that's a fight. It, that is an interesting uh, concept in that Very Hayden introduced in this that they like they live in the heat of the season yeah. and then they leave. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, that they they only operate in heat is an interesting addition yeah uh, i like that uh uh that means avp can't have it because antarctic yeah i love that <laughs> i love the guy in central america going around with schaefer and it's like you son of a bitch you know what you did yeah like oh yeah like you definitely weren't part of cia the whole time it's like so. hey your english got a lot better just now that's pretty funny um i think the beginning like again uh predator 2 the movie does it really well setting the atmosphere of la where uh where schaefer's partner is like did you see this satanic cow cult found on long island hamburger patties in the shape of pentagons I will say I will say because I know it's not supposed to be literally Arnold Schwarzenegger, but assuming it's Arnold Schwarzenegger's brother, he has to talk a little bit like him. Yeah. And I will say some of these lines, I'm like, there's no way. I'm trying to pick, <laughs> I'm trying to hear it in that voice. And I'm like, no, like Jerry's are like the wire, like that. Yeah. Just, there's like, a better, 
reused lines from the first Predator movie there that are. I like. Uh, maybe I took a picture one that I really like. There's a bit at the so at the end the predator the predators leave, um, and the city's a war zone now. Um, and the general says, wait a minute, that's it? You think you can just walk away from this? Manhattan's a disaster area. Midtown's been leveled. New York will never be the same. And he just turns around and goes, you say that as if it were a bad thing. Yeah, which yeah. is which is not the first time he said that. He's yeah. He's been saying, like, I don't really care. I think the system's bad and broken and blah. Yeah. Uh, up through it, which I like. I wish that there had had been uh, more of that. In much like too. in the in the Alien book we read, there there is some subtle world building about the world that the Predator lives in. Uh, if they, there's these two executives talking on a train about the Charles Manson television show and how its ratings beat the Son of Sam reality show, and those are both murderous serial killers. Uh, As so I find. America's uh, fascination with violence in this world obviously is real. Everyone on the train has a gun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was going to ask if anyone yeah. else knows that because he pulls out a gun and then there's like a lady. She pulls out one for the briefcase and the guy next to her. For, as a, oh my God. Yeah, they're only hunting uh, worthy prey. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that premise is dope. Like, like, yeah, it starts raining. Like, like they realize, like, oh, it's not hot anymore. Like, this isn't a fight. Like, we're just gonna well, laugh and leave. I was wondering when, because they mentioned cartoons. It was like a Looney Tunes knockoff of Bugs Bunny and or Fudd about how, like, oh, it's Squirrel season's over. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering when that was gonna come into play. And then they're like, just like the cartoons, hunting season's over. I'm like. Oh, I see what you mean. It is a weird thing that comes in at the end where he's just like, I just teamed up with these bad guys. Hold on, I gotta watch a cartoon. Yeah. 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 Uh that was a little weird. Oh, there's there's a rephrasal of a line. Um in, in, in the original it says, if it bleeds, we can kill it. And in this it says, if it bleeds, it could die. I'm like, yeah. that, that is good. <laughs> right. Uh yeah, but I thought ultimately I thought this was really good. Oh, no, I really I- love when his uh, partner knocks out the accountants who have been shattered over because oh there's a there the federal agents are too widespread, so they ha- send IRS guys after him, and then he punches them out, and it's like, what were you doing? And it's like, I was doing my taxes. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like these agents are coming to get here, and they're like, are you at the FBI? I'm like, no, we're with audits and review. And he's like, oh my god, accountants. <laughs> I love I love the fear when he's being pushed. Oh my god, accountants. Yeah, I, thought was, I thought that was funny because I knew he was like, oh no. Not accountants. I'm like, that's that's not the IRS, but well, no, because no, it is. That's the Ooh. thing. That they're, they're saying that the agents are are spread out, and the IRS agents in this shitty world are actually also buff ta- tough man because they'll come and get you for not paying for your taxes. This is a they are the people who will hunt you down. This is a different. Oh, yeah. world. It might seem like a regular world, but again, like we're talking about like like the reality TV show stuff. This is like subtly different, kind of like the alien. Okay. World. Okay. Yeah. Because no. we're IRS been... audits and review. Oh my god, accountants. Because yeah, I remember, I only seen bits and pieces of Predator Two. Because I know Predator Two takes place in like an alternate nineteen ninety two, nineteen ninety nine. Oh, nineteen ninety nine. Thank you. Yeah. They just have um, cooler guns. That's about it. Well, yeah, because um, Schaefer has a Desert Eagle. I'm like, that's not standard issue police weaponry. That's yeah. military grade. Uh, yeah, this came out uh, many years before Predator Two. Predator Two, um, like I said, it did t- take influence because they initially envisioned it as an adaptation of this book. Mm-hmm. Um, but it makes me mad because like, I think, cause like the alien sequels aren't related to that alien comic. Right. Yeah. But the predator ones are, which makes it like, oh man, we could have got a good predator too, but we didn't. But like here didn't. it is hit. This is predator too, baby. Gang wars. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to read, wait to read more. Yeah. I, uh, I, I have, I'm glad that we just, uh, we picked these, you picked these books. I'm loving the, the Verhaden stuff. It's good this stuff. isn't as, this isn't as world building as the, uh, first aliens book no. that that was like here's the aliens planet here's their ecosystem they have there's a there's a species that are above them in the food chain 
yeah. here's how the queens work. And there was nothing of that. I was kind of missing that. Like a, the Predator franchise has never shown us their planet or more of their ecosystem or things like that. And I've always been curious about more of that. I was kind of hoping to get that. In this I, I, uh, I agree with you. Uh, I 100% was looking for more, uh, more of the world building for the Predators. Mm-hmm. But if we're just going off of, hey, we're going to make a sequel to the Predator and kind of make another Predator thing, uh, I think like... I think it would have felt more like Alien and less like Predator. I think it had to be kind of macho and less detailed, even though that's kind of what I wanted. I think they were going for, yo, we're doing Predator again. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just, it's just saying it's my only disappointment was that there wasn't more world world building. Yeah. Um, what's the, is it Predators, the Robert Rodriguez one, where we see their planet? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, not their, it's not their planet. It's a separate hunting planet. Oh, okay. But we see, like, technology and shit, yeah. Yeah. It's the hunting grounds. Yeah. That movie rules. Yeah. I like that movie a lot. Okay. That's it. Sparks, what's your book club next week? Uh, we're doing Meteor Men by Jeff Parker with art by Sandy Gerald. Awesome. Woo. Stay tuned for that. That's it. It's a tiny one. Cool. Read. I, like Jeff- read. I like Jeff Parker. Hell yeah. Um, okay, that's it. That's it? That's, yeah, that's it. We don't know what we're doing next week, I don't think. Wait a second. Over the moon! We're right. I have this for a reason. Uh, yeah, we're doing. We're going to be reviewing the Netflix original animated film Over the Moon. Um, so stay tuned. Over the moon with excitement because I, I was cool. just about to say it, Ryan. Damn it. Um, okay, so if you guys like what you're seeing, uh, including that five minute synth that I was trying to find the the lunatics screenshot, um, <laughs> you guys can find more from us if you like this video and you subscribe to this channel um you can check out our fake nerds watch uh, series which we had just finished lovecraft country and we will be doing the mandalorian soon like the first season with the mandalorian we did two episodes and two episodes and episode so we'll do the same thing with this season um, that, um uh, uh, next week next week next week yeah so stay tuned for that we also have base Arcade where you can find so many spookies for Dead by Daylight, Left for Dead, and Animal Crossing, the spookiest of the Hollywood. Of the Hollywood. Animal Crossing is up. I just checked. Yeah. Animal Crossing is up as of this. Uh, maybe it's in the description below if you're listening to the replay. Who knows? Wow. Um, it's probably not. I forgot. Factor Book Club. Uh, we are doing the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. We have one more episode coming soon, so stay tuned. Um, if you guys like to support us, you can support us in a number of ways. Again, like I said, like this video, subscribe to this channel, watch this live stream. That's supporting us. We love it. We love it. Yeah. But if you want to do more, want to do more, um, ask me how you can do more. How do you do more, Brandon? Well, I'll tell you, Ben. Um, you can go to the links in the description to, to buy some Fake Nerd Podcast mask. COVID-23, guys. It's a real thing. We got four more years of this. Buy some mask. Buy some Fake Nerd Podcast mask. Support oh, us. Piece of shit movie. I'm angry that movie exists all over again. What's it called? <laughs> Songbird. Songbird. I was talking about this the entire time. I was expecting like a musical, but no. Right. So you can check out the links in the description below. All those masks are still available. We got we got plenty more. Um, you can also subscribe to our Patreon, uh, where we have a five dollar tier. Oh, that's gonna be a shit movie. <laughs> Real quick, here's here's his credits on Rotten Tomatoes. In order: fourteen percent, fifty-seven percent, thirty-three percent, twenty-eight percent, zero percent, forty-four percent. We're in good hands for some. Who is this guy? Uh, he's a guy I've never heard of, Adam Mason. He's another generic white man. Cool. Okay. Um, yeah, so we also have a Patreon. You can subscribe to the $5 tier. That supports us every month. Uh, $5. Or you can check out our Tee Public. Um, we have 
tons of cool merchandise on Tee Public. A lot of a lot of interesting stuff there. Um, you can find all those links in the description below, or you can go to our website www.fakenerpodcast.com. You can find everything there. Support us. Do whatever you want. Good night, Meg. Good night, Meg. Good night. Good night. Thanks for stopping by the Animal Crossing stream. You're the best, Meg. Yeah. Um. Thank you to Jeremy. Thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you, to Jeremy Vellucci. Is Jeremy there? Yeah, I got a surprise for you. Oh no! From over by Sparks and Computers, like, hey guys. Thank you, thank you to Jamie Belucci for our collaborations that we've done. You can find him on Instagram at Jamie Belucci Keyboards. Um, he does our music, our intro music that you've been listening to and seeing, whatever. Um, so he does a podcast called Suburban Proctologist. You can find that on iTunes or Suburban Proctologist Official, or on Instagram at Subproc Podcast. Uh, Mag says, I'm in Mexico. We gathered when you said stay safe from Mexico. Mm. <laughs> but I, good trip. I love to visit Mexico. Like, I don't want to stay away I'd, from it. I'd rather be in Mexico this week than here. True, true. I've been to Mexico. Mexico we'll, do what, we'll do what George Lucas and Steven Spielberg do whenever their movies premiere. Go to the go to Hawaii. Uh, <laughs> I got a Thank you to Mike Matola. Guys, something, something really exciting from Mike Matola is coming soon. Stay tuned. Uh, Mike Batola, you can find him at Mike Batola on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at Fake Nerd Podcast. Fake Nerd Guys at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. Ben. You can find me still over the moon about the Dodgers World Series win for the first time in 32 years at Magnet, Ben Magnet 27 on Instagram and Twitter. And also, if you like video games, I like video games, especially old school ones. I write for oldschoolgamermagazine.com. I start writing a new article to, before we start recording, so the new one's going to go up sometime this week. Excellent. Sparks? Uh, you can find me starting the next clock countdown for the Dodgers to win a World Series for the next 30 years. Uh, right at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter, S-P-A-R-K-Z-Witty. I guess we'll get, like, what, six Giants wins in that time, then? No. More? We'll no. be 60 by the time they win again. <laughs> Ryan? You can find me at DJ Tony Snark on Instagram and Twitter and DJ Tony Snark 616 on Twitch because I forgot I messed up my, my email. So it's 616 at the end. That's stupid, but find me there. <laughs> uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcasts. Rate and review wherever you get us. Like this video, subscribe to this channel, and go vote. Go vote! Go vote! Go, go vote. vote! Stay fake, dudes. <laughs> <laughs>